Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. All right, Asking Why podcast episode number 38. Um, super excited to have you guys here, you ladies here. Um, so we're going to talk about women's health issues. So we have Mary Kate Cortez from our Ruston office, and we have Dr. Laurie LeBleu. There we go from Ruston, and your office is in Ruston. I have an office in Ruston as well as in Monroe. So okay. yeah, so we cover Lincoln Parish and Washita Parish, and a good 30, 45 mile radius around all of that. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, Louisiana for people who are not listening from yeah. Louisiana. So Mary Kate, tell us uh, who you are and what brings you here and why we have Dr. LeBleu with us. <laughs> Try to make it short. Um, well, I'm one of the counselors in our Ruston office. Um, you don't have to make it short. We have forever. We do have forever. Um, I mean, do you want me to give the play-by-play of some degree of how we even got to Ruston? Yeah, please. Okay, sure. Okay. Um, so I had – Dr. Blue's actually kind of in the midst of some of this in terms of me having babies and also trying to figure out counseling and getting that going as a career. I first started off teaching, um, and it was not for me. Um, my husband and I had made a deal. I would do three years, and I lasted two in the school system. <laughs> uh, I was pretty miserable, so he was like, let's just send you back to school. We've always talked about counseling. Let's just do it. So um, so we did, and then I had a two quarters left and actually got pregnant with our with my daughter, our daughter, and Dr. LeBlue saw us through the whole pregnancy of her. And so and that I'll kind of put all those pieces together as I kind of go through this, but she was just such a big part of helping us get her here safely. We were just worried about preterm labor and I did not even know that was a thing when I got <laughs> pregnant. I just thought you got pregnant. You looked really cute. Could you see all like, you know, the advertisements and just didn't, it didn't occur to me that there could be problems. And I, that's where this women's health podcast comes in in terms of just helping normalize some of the stuff that's out there. Cause either we just never even thought about it or people don't know to talk about it. You know, there's a lot of different reasons. So anyways, had her and then, um, graduated with my master's in February, 2019 and was just trying to figure out what my next steps were going to be. One of the reasons I wanted to do counseling is I could see a potential to make those hours work for me as a mom. And so, you know, got offered a full-time position. I just didn't feel good about it as a Christian. I would just feel like the Lord was just kind of directing me not to be there. I didn't really know quite how to put words to that. And my husband was very gracious to say, if you just feel like you need to be home right now, like, let's do that. And there was a potential for a school job, counseling job to come up. Um, that fall and so we were like let's put all of our eggs in that basket we're we're gonna trust jesus he's leading us there <laughs> and like you know just really felt like that's what he had for us so i got to you know spent the summer just kind of banking on this job happening and then it didn't and we both had is talked this 2019 this is 2019 yeah. and so we had talked about like you know if this does not happen this is not going to be good for me and i like that's that season where i did not get that job and started looking for jobs i could i was like this is how people get depressed like 
and thank God I know God because I was like, you have to have a plan mm-hmm. in this because I don't know what else I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, sh- I had a friend who gave me your card who's in from Shreveport. And I was like, we're not moving to Shreveport. I don't know why he's giving me Clint's number. <laughs> this isn't happening. And so, but then I was like, I need a job. So then I emailed you and then we kind of, you were like, hey, look, let's touch base. But then nothing had come of it at that time. And so I ended up getting a job in home-based therapy. Um, the day I took that job, I found out I was pregnant with my second. Mm. That was not part of the plan. I cr- <laughs> it's never part of the plan. It's never part of the plan. I remember calling my husband. I was like, what are you doing? He was like, I'm at cross-country practice. And I was like, okay. He was like, why? I was like, don't worry about it. He's like, you good? I'm like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and he was like, why are you telling me this right now? And so that's just, again, the idea of like, just kind of where I'm at with my profession and then even having kids and women's health, those are all kind of intersected in this. And so um, I did two months at that job and I was like, I'm done. I, I just can't, I don't think I can do this. But I also saw, a, you know, there was so much trauma in what I was seeing with my clients. And so, but I had never been formally trained in that, even in my graduate degree. It's like we learned how to counsel and I could do cognitive behavior therapy and I could really talk about people's thoughts and how that was leading them where they were. But I couldn't, you know, when I hear somebody say that they got abused growing up and then they were consistently in abusive relationships, there was, a, there was something missing from a professional standpoint for me. It's like, the, you know, I was not taught how to put these pieces together and it was mm-hmm. very frustrating. And so I decided to quit and was like, we'll just figure this out. So I emailed you and you're like, okay, let's, we'll meet. And I was like, you know, we're, I'm going to drive to Shreveport. I was like, you're okay being pregnant and driving to Shreveport. I'm like, let's do this. <laughs> we're going to do it. Cause I saw what you were doing with the integrative wellness. And I was very, I was like, that is amazing. You know, to be able to look at the whole body and not just look at, um, just the mental health aspect. And yep. so, um, <clears throat> or just symptoms. Right. And so you didn't know I was pregnant whenever I came in. I was I was still kind of that like, did she gain weight or is she pregnant? So you don't ask. So I was kind of you know. So <laughs> I've we, learned that lesson for sure. Yeah, you're, and um, so we had this really great meeting, and I was just so prepared to drive. And uh, you were like, "What if we open a practice in Shreveport? I mean, in Ruston?" I almost started crying. I was like, "Be professional. Do not cry." <laughs> and so now you know you could have totally. Yeah, cried. I could have. <laughs> I'm like, I'm pregnant. Um, and so. Uh, I was just like, that just went above and beyond anything I thought would be possible. So you're kind of listing all the things that would have to happen for this practice to come alive. And I was like, I don't even know how to do that, but okay. Like, yes. Like, I, th- I remember even that, that night you emailed me saying like, hey, I'm so excited that this could potentially happen. I was like, well, I, I'm here, like I'm on board. And you're like, well, like, let's get to know each other a little bit before we say yes. I'm like, wow. I just jumped in and you were like, hold on. <laughs> and so I, even like Stephen came home that night and he just, like, we just laughed. We're like, who knew that this could be, that this could happen? Like my dream job could be happening as a provisionally licensed professional counsel, which, you know, we've talked about. That was what was so hard about me finding a job is most places don't take PLPCs because insurance doesn't cover us. Mm-hmm. So that was that rub of like, I really want to do something cool and not just feel like I'm having to take a job just to, I mean, we all have to pay our dues to an extent, but I want to do something meaningful and that I really cared about, especially being a mom. I don't, if I'm going to give my time up, I want it to be worthwhile, yeah. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so we committed to it. And then February 2020 we're like that was official we were like let's you know we're going to start this practice we're going to figure it out we were already kind of making some connections and then the pandemic hit and literally the day of the pandemic I started we've always had trouble with just contracting not knowing if I would have preterm labor or not and we had talked I'm not sure if you even remember but like you made the comment like hey if you keep having cramps you're, you might have to do a modified bed rest well the lockdown happened my husband's a teacher so he's lockdown with us and it actually like by the grace of God as much as I do hate bed rest with a passion it worked out so well and then we had enough complications in the middle like low fluid levels having to do 48 hours in the hospital and 
I remember reading The Body Keeps a Score. It's a great idea to do that while you're in high stress <laughs> and in a pandemic. <laughs> you know, and Dr. LeBlue comes in to do her rounds and she starts taking a picture of the book. And I'm like, when do you have time to read this? <laughs> you know, it's, it's categorized. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we kind of got into a cool conversation. Like, it was just that, you know, I tend to kind of already assume with doctors, you're going to be just very, and there is that medical mindset, but I could see like you had this ability to know that there was just so much more than just this one piece, that there's way more to it. And so we talked about like, you know, sometimes you would have clients come in and, or patients, and even if you talk to them for a few minutes, it helped them so much that it might not just be that prescription that they felt like they needed. Which is super rare. Right, right. It's really rare. Unfortunately. But it's like a breath it's changing, maybe. Yeah, it I hope. I mean, there are a lot more doctors oh, that are yeah. being more trauma informed and yeah. being more well aware. But as as a whole, mm-hmm. you don't learn it. No, or you didn't. I mean, I'm a more seasoned doctor now, but it's definitely not spent a lot of time on. Well, and, and right. why would a doctor know if therapists don't even know? Right. Right. I mean, if therapists right. are getting out of their masters and coming into a career to see people in their offices, but they're never learning about addiction, trauma, and definitely no theology, mm-hmm. then why would there be any training for a doctor or a dentist or any other kind of first mm-hmm. responder or medical person? Right. For sure. And so that was kind of a breath of fresh air for me. I was like, God, maybe I'm here so I can talk to Dr. Blue about. <laughs> and I, really, and, I do and, remember that day yeah. because I remember when I left, I remember thinking, Oh, maybe somebody that'll I can get people to, or you know, like it was just different. It was like something that I, my journey has kind of been in that direction towards more of an integrative wellness type mm-hmm. situation over probably the last I would say three to four years. And seeing that, I was like, oh, here, because you know you mm-hmm. hear about it everywhere else, but in our North Louisiana area, right. we're a little behind on the times, and mm-hmm. you're like reading about it, talking about it, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh. Oh, I like this. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we can hook up. (laughs) Maybe there's something. And here we are. Yeah. Um, And so then I, you know, the rest of that, my pregnancy with my son was pretty stressful. And we, you know, he was, he was breech. I feel like even some of his birth, I'm like, it just speaks to who he is as a human being. He is so like, I I love him. It starts in the womb. It does. (laughs) But I mean, he is just, he has a mind of his own. Even at 15 months, it's like, my husband's like, dear God, how they both end up like you. (laughs) You know, like. It's funny how they always end up like the other one when they're doing something we know. Yeah, exactly. You're a child. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. Um, And so, and Dr. Blue was great through, we, you know, the idea was to see if we could invert him and see if we could do the vaginal delivery and everything. And so, which again was kind of rare to kind of, here's a doctor who's really wanting to listen to what I I want and we're going to try to make this happen, but we know Mm -hmm. the risk, like we know what could happen. So we even did the epidural and everything just in case an emergency C-section happened and he was stubborn. He didn't flip at first. I mean, we eventually got him. We were worried that he would... um, you weren't sure about his heart rate, so we went to go prep for a C-section, but then he was fine, so I got to, we were like, okay, we get to do this, and this has literally been the whole pregnancy, like, <laughs> we're good, we're good, we're not good, we're good, we're good, we're not good, mm-hmm. and so, and then, um, so, I mean, long story short, basically ended up in emergency C-section, my epidural was not working, so I had to be put under, and then he, you know, my husband doesn't know, you know, he's just kind of like out waiting, and they're like, he's fine, everything's fine, but he's here, and so it was just that whole experience was, um, was that because of COVID or because of the C-section part? This Which thing? The, the surgery and him being she had out. A, she got general anesthesia. Gotcha. And so we don't let the fathers come in when there's general anesthesia because you're sitting there and your wife's got, yeah, yeah. is intubated. And that's a little more traumatic for him as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what happened there. And it was quick. Like, I don't even know if y'all would have even had a chance to like, to even come like, tell yeah. him what was even like. Yeah. It was just how it all went down. And so that was, I think the you know, as a woman, you kind of have this idea of what things are going to look like. And when it doesn't happen, you're like, huh, like 
I mean, I've talked to you about this. I was like, I just never pictured having a C-section. I know that sounds really weird, and this podcast won't all be about like birth stories. I promise. No, it's, but, good, right? it's great. Keep but um, it was just kind of like I. I feel like as a real woman, you have a vaginal delivery, and that sounds weird to say that. But I was like, this is kind of like this was what I was going to do. This was how it was going to happen, and I had no control. And I think that was the scariest part. Like you don't have control. And so I think we see that in all aspects of our lives. And so like even women's health, like we can say that and men might automatically tune out, but that this involves men. Like, you know, even for my husband, it's like, he was a full-time single dad for a little bit. I was on bed rest. It was like, thank you for doing all that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and he really doesn't try to complain, which that's, a, you know, a, something we'll have to continue to work through just because he's going to always say, well, you had it worse. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you have a part of this, you know, it's kind of like, and I yeah. think in Dr. Blue, one of the reasons I want to bring you in is like, you have that ability to engage both the mom and the dad because right. dads can feel like they're put on the outside or men in general, but they're so involved. If like, and Clint, you know, this, of just like you watch your wife or your kids and you're trying to figure out how do I, what do I do? And so, especially when this didn't turn out the way that I thought that it would. And so, yeah, um, you, you can, you feel really helpless. You mm-hmm. know, I think, my brother-in-law died of brain cancer like eight years ago and he was like so uh positive all the way to the end and it was even you know not that it was easy on him but sometimes when you're the one going through it you're just kind of surviving it or dealing with it and you you have these things going on in your head and your body that you have control over to some degree and a lot of stuff you don't but as an outsider sometimes it's the difficulty part for you is that you're you can do nothing Mm -hmm. and so you you take all the like your responsibility and the time and the energy and the stress and you try to support and you try to emotionally, you know, mm-hmm. be there and be present while they suffer. And mm-hmm. that's a suffering of itself, right. you know, and that's traumatic, you know, in mm-hmm. and of itself. And I think, yeah, you're right that we, so many times, you know, the worst thing you can do is compare traumas, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but the reality mm-hmm. is, it's like, they're both very traumatic. They just have different consequences long-term. Right. And, you know, this is definitely more like a cultural idea we're starting to develop, but like men, have an experience you know like what does it look like to engage guys yeah. to say this was hard for you and it's okay for you to say that and to talk about it but that's also hard oh yeah but i weren't ever taught how to do that my husband and i have this conversation daily i'm like what are you feeling <laughs> <laughs> and he's like i don't know and so you know even like in, in our marriage is like whenever i realize i'm a the enneagram has helped me understand even my own stress in that time of like okay whenever i'm a nine so when i get stressed i <clears throat> i freeze i don't know what to do so i really mm-hmm. kind of put i'm like don't don't come near me. Don't do anything. I'm just going to, I'm going to sit on this couch and keep this baby in. You understand? That's right. That's it. And so like that affected our marriage. It's like, but so it's just like all these different pieces kind of come together, but there's not always great words for it because not everybody knows that we're all being impacted, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of doing the podcast is educating people either, either to validate what their experience was like so they can let go of the shame and the stuff that they have and mm-hmm. go, Oh, me too. Or if you haven't had kids, you know, if you're a younger woman and you haven't had kids or you're going to have another one that you can, you know, be aware of this stuff and mm-hmm. how it's going to affect the future and find the right doctors and find the right therapists so that you can, you know, minimize your suffering. You're not going to do away with it, but right. make it a little better. Right. There's people who want to help yeah. come alongside you and get it. it. Right. And so, um, then, so anyways, the practice has kind of been a hold at that point. That's back to the practice, your question. <laughs> um, then the God just really brought everything together. Like I kind of was like, I would really like to just spend 12 weeks recovering, have, you know, enjoying this baby. And then literally like started to really develop a client base after that, like mm-hmm. in some very cool ways of like, thank you Lord that you're kind of doing this. And then we didn't have any other counselors at that point, really. I mean, 
we were still trying to figure out what that was going to look like and we didn't have an office space yet yeah because i remember you stressing out like thinking i was going to be frustrated or ever you know whatever yeah. and i was like i have no expectation but mm-hmm. again <laughs> once i got past me with a therapy office everything else was laying yet you know i'm like yeah. this is all just bonus so right. you know doing you know rustin and having that there and having you is like i told you from the beginning it's just i'm just thankful to have it so i was good to pace it out however god was going to work it out and Mm-hmm. certainly wasn't you know going through all this stuff with my wife and our fpies and you know special needs kids and all that stuff i mean i that's one thing right the more you know the more empathy and patience mm-hmm. you can have with people because you know i knew you were it's struggling true. and having a hard time and mm-hmm. I, you know there's no pressure yeah. from me which i knew would hopefully end up in you thriving and growing you know even mm-hmm. better instead of compressing it and pressuring you and being like well hold on you got to do that you know right this is just rare you know <laughs> i was about to say not everybody gets that <laughs> no, right. Sure. right i mean Absolutely. that's what also come from teaching, which has helped me in any clients that are teachers. I'm like, I get it. They don't know boundaries <laughs> and they don't know how to just like, it's okay for you to be human and just mm-hmm. to have these things that just happen. So I was always very thankful for that, that you were so okay. It was just kind of like, you kind of get to where you feel like you need to be, yep. you know? And then I feel like, but also the Lord's timing. Like I remember trying to work so hard to get this practice kind of developing meetings pre pandemic and nothing was really coming of it. And then, we had a meeting in Ruston in like August and then I felt the Lord started working. More meetings were coming up and then Tyler came on board. Then you call me you're like, well, there, now it's Olivia. She's a CSAT. And so it was just kind of like, mm-hmm. and then my friend Rachel, who had already talked about the year before, I was like, hey, do you want to come and like work with me? And she's like, no. And I was like, it'd be really fun. And then a year later, she's like, hey, I think I'm ready for this. And so this integrative wellness piece started coming together. Then Dr. David Wheeler finds this house that could be a, you know, an office space. And I was like, you just can't make this stuff up. It's nope. just, it starts coming together. And so, um, then you would approach me about the idea of a podcast and you were like, you know, what, who could we bring on that it could engage Rustin community? And I was like, Dr. <laughs> naturally my OB, you know? And so, um, I think it was that conversation and just, I think as I thought more and like you're saying, like life experiences helps you be more empathetic. It has made me, I think a better counselor. I think when you go through anything, having yeah, kids doing anything, it's just, um, I think my mindset before kids was like, why don't you just try harder? <laughs> just do better that was always my you know i grew up as an athlete i ran in college it was just always like i'm gonna make myself do this mm-hmm. that runs out at some point like it you does. just you can't you can't do that forever and so that would make me a very hard counselor if i was like why don't you just do better right. <laughs> like stop like, it st- <laughs> <laughs> just stop it. Just it right right and so um that's just all to say kind of my heart for even doing some of this you allowing me to just come up with who I wanted for this podcast and everything was like the idea of women's health is like what happens when you're when what you kind of expected to happen doesn't you know and how you see that in your field and I'll ask some more questions in a minute but and how it just impacts not just women but men and then and not even just with having babies that's what we talked about even at a meeting a few weeks ago was like it's not just having babies it's menopause it's the lifespan um, and so this world's tough. And so how do we put some like words to some of these experiences so right. people know what to be looking for and that they're not alone. I think that's my main thing is like, you're not, we're not alone in this. Yeah. Like nothing is more soothing to my soul. One, when my husband comes home and like loses, like frustrated with the kids too. I'm like, Oh, you get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not just me. And then, yeah. or if I, you know, talk to other friends and I'm like, wow, people weren't kidding when they said marriage and kids were hard, you know? Mm. And they're like, I, yeah, like it's not easy for us either. There's something soothing about that. Instead of just being like, Oh, I'm great. We're great. Right. We're fine. It's like, mm. no, we're not. <laughs> right. And so, and that's even, I think Clint for your heart with the podcast and asking why it's like, well, let's go to the root of some of this and just kind of what's going on for us in some of these. And, 
you know, we could go all day on just like the root messages. That's like what we do with our time. It's yeah. like, what did that mean to you? And so, um, I just think I, through my own experiences, this is like, I would just love to kind of dive a little bit more into just how did these parts of life that you didn't expect that end up getting thrown at you impact you? Mm-hmm. And what do we do about it from there? That's good mm-hmm. stuff. You did great. Proud of you. Thanks. I am I'm super proud of you, honestly. <laughs> you know, seeing you come from, You're like, honestly, you know, as a PLPC, you know, and coming in and being super nervous. And, you know, I know you faced a lot of doubt and fear. And, and then you had life. Cert- I mean, all the things you just painted mm-hmm. to see you, you know, kind of sitting here and being able to finally do this podcast. And then that we have full office where last week you're emailing me like, we need another play therapist because I'm super booked. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think the thing I'd want people to look at in, in, in your story, and then it'll probably tie into the rest of it is, you know, God is working constantly in ways that we can never see and that he's going to tie in down the road in ways that you can never imagine. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that trusting his plan and trusting in him and that his plans are better than our plans and his ways are better than our ways. You know, you just spelled that out Mm -hmm. and in the middle, it's hard. Oh, and I didn't even fully believe it beforehand. I think there's that sense of like, would God really give me? Like, I'm like, I don't really deserve the best of the best, but like, I mean, I would like it. <laughs> but like, is yeah. he going to do these things? And so you just kind of wonder. Mm-hmm. Like, so I was in that place. I think whenever I saw like this this job come to fruition, it's actually given me a lot of hope. And like, even now, there's some things we're trying to pursue as a family that we're just kind of getting blocked. And it's like, okay, Lord, like you've right. been faithful to show up before, and you're going to do it again. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know. the, when you remember the wins, that's very important. It helps. Mm-hmm. So, Doctor LeBlue, <laughs> yeah, tell us about enough about Mary. <laughs> Mary, <laughs> right, uh, right. It's not about right. me, but you gotta like Mary. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> so, tell us about you and kind of your background and and who you are. And yeah. So um, I grew up in Texas, uh, so born and raised in West Texas, um, but all my family was from Louisiana. My mom and dad were from Louisiana. My mom's from Gina. My dad was from Leesville, so kind of central Louisiana. Um, Your last name is LeBlue. It is LeBlue. Now, that is my maiden name. Basley is my married name. I have my alter ego um, to hide, so I can hide when I need to hide, which doesn't happen in Ruston. But but yeah, so I grew up in West Texas, and then we moved. um, My parents got divorced when I was young, and my stepdad worked for the FDIC, so we moved every four years, just wherever it was. So grew up in Odessa, moved to San Antonio, lived there for four years. And then my junior year of high school, we got moved to Connecticut which was a, like we talked earlier, uh, definitely a little bit of a culture shock. Uh, So we moved to Connecticut, did two years there, graduated from high school in Connecticut, uh, played volleyball, and was trying to figure out kind of what to do. Volleyball was not big in the North, Mm -hmm. Northeast, um, huge female sport in Texas. And so um, kind of trying to figure out, I I was, I I did well in Connecticut playing volleyball. Yeah, when you stood up and I shook my hand, I was like, oh, she's tall. (laughs) I I had some height, but they're, you know, they get really tall, you know, I'm like the shorter of the people. But up there, they, um, you know, it was just a different, it was just different. You know, you had a lot of Ivy League schools, tons and tons of small liberal arts schools where, you know, growing up in Texas, you went to UT, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, you know, and that was kind of it. SMU and TCU weren't even real big at that time in Baylor. But uh, so was up there, didn't know any of the schools, knew my family was going to probably move again. And so all my grandparents, aunts, uncles, everyone was in Louisiana. My dad was in Lafayette. And so kind of decided I don't want to stay up here, but I don't want to be all by myself and had lost my in-state residency in Texas. So Louisiana, I was in-state. And so sent out videos and got to play volleyball at Louisiana Tech and just literally never saw it, never really looked into it. So I'm going to Louisiana Tech. And that's where I ended up. 
So went to Tech, uh, played for, started off in two days and actually was hurt and quit volleyball right when I got down there. And then, yeah, it was, and my mom dropped me off at my dorm and went back to Connecticut. So probably that was my trauma at that time. (laughs) Don't Uh, leave me here. Don't leave me here. Well, because we'd moved so much over my life. My mom and I, that's my person. You know, that was just always my person that no matter what happened, you know, it's, it's hard to move as a female when you're a young girl from place to place to place. Um, and so when she left, I think it was just all of it together, but ended up finding a crew, joined a sorority for a little while, then got all that, and then went back to volleyball and then played volleyball for the next, you know, two and a half years. But, and then was going to do physical therapy. That was my thing. I'm sports. I was like, I'm going to be a PT. Actually, my thing in my high school yearbook was I'm going to be the physical therapist for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> you knew exactly yeah. what you wanted. I, I was going to be a physical therapist for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and then like under your picture? <laughs> yeah, where it says, what you know, those little things. Yeah. Uh, but then we actually, um, my dad's best friend was a physical therapist in Leesville, and I went and worked with him, and I just did not enjoy it. Like, I did it, and I was like, this is not for me. Like, this mm. is not really what I thought it was going to be. You know, in your mind, you see some things. You watch a video or movie, and the physical therapist does this great therapy for this guy mm. that goes back and becomes this, you know, that's mm. not really National how it works. Right. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't it's like everyday way. people. Goal. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's like I got my hip fixed, and right. we're gonna, I'm going to sit and watch you do these exercises. Right. And I was like, ooh, this is not my personality. Right, this is not <laughs> exciting at all. So, um, but my dad's best friend, Jimmy, was, he said, you need to be a doctor. And I was like, I can't be a doctor. You have to be rich to be a doctor, you know? I was like, I can't do that. We don't, you know, and he's like, you get loans. Everybody has loans. And I was like, I don't know, how do I do that? (laughs) So I went back my junior year of college. I had done that. And I went back and I talked to my um, mentor, what do you call him? Like the counselor person. Advisor. Uh, Advisor, advisor, yeah. So I went back and talked to my advisor and I was like, I think I want to go to med school. And he was like, it's kind of (laughs) late. And I was like, so I mean, you're how old then? That was my junior year of college, so I'm three three 20, years out. 20, you know, 23, 22? Uh, oh, no, 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 like 20. Oh, you know, yeah. yeah, in college. Okay. And so uh, so he was like, well, you've got a – I had a fitness and wellness background. He's like, but you've got – you did mainly sciences, so we can probably flip it. And I went all summers. always did summers. I had a lot of hours. And so he's like, I think we can do it. So – I was like, well, let's just do it. What the heck? You know, <laughs> Why not? Why not? Let's see what happens. And so I took my MCAT, got in, and then um, applied. Well, then I had all these issues with that, excuse me, um, because I technically graduated from Connecticut, so they considered me an out-of-state resident for Louisiana when it came to the med school. So they were like, you're going to have to apply. At, now, during this time, my mom moved to Colorado. They're like, you're going to have to apply to med school in Connecticut. And I was like, I'm not going up there, you know? And so after a long roundabout, they finally accepted that my dad was from Louisiana, that, you know, he'd paid taxes. And so they let me into an in-state medical school. What a bunch Louisiana. of bureaucracy. It is. It's yeah. crazy. You know, you but there's so many. Yeah. I don't know. But it was. They were like, okay, we'll count it. You know, but I think in Louisiana, for the state schools, it's because they need people to stay. Right. They don't want you to come and then leave, you know. But so I got into med school and I was going to be a pediatric oncologist. Whoa. That's what I was going to do. Because I saw Patch Adams, I think. Um, but I really love, I do love cancer. I think cancer is fascinating. I just enjoy studying it. And I enjoy the process of learning about it. So that's what I wanted to be. And then I did my first pediatric rounds. And I happened to be, I, I got lucky. This was a blessing. Um, I was on with our pediatric oncologist. He was our attending. So he had tons of pediatric oncology on. And I had one little boy who we got so close. I was a med student. And he died. And I was like, mm. cannot do this. Cannot yeah. do this. But I didn't have, you know, when you don't, it's so bad that you have to choose your life mm-hmm. 
when you're 20. Like, yeah, what are you going to be when you grow up when you're 20? Mm-hmm. And I had no children. I had grandparents. I knew I didn't want to do, uh, uh, you know, regular oncology. I can't mm-hmm. watch my grandparents die. <laughs> right. I could watch kids, but, right. you know, it's like. <laughs> you're like, kids are fine. Yeah. But, and then I did it and I was like, I can't do this. Not tough enough at all. So then I was completely lost because I did not. Now, I loved psychology, you know, and so I started thinking about, I was like, maybe I want to do psychiatry. Um, just cause it always fascinated me. And then I did my first surgery rotation and I was like, Oh, I love cutting on people. <laughs> like that was, it was like, I meant for this. I meant for this, but I had no idea. Like, you know, it just in my mind, I was never going to be a surgeon. That wasn't, it grossed me out. I just mm-hmm. wasn't. And I did it the first time and it was so meticulous and I just, uh, I just loved it. So now I had a problem though, because I liked people and seeing people and talking to people and learning them and meeting them and doing that and then I really wanted to operate and so my very last rotation was OBGYN which I never in a million years was ever going to do because who wants to work with women all day (laughs) and so I was like I don't want to do this and then I did it and I was like oh my goodness this is all of it together like oh I loved it and I never, like, it was such my personality. Like, now, looking back, I'm like, you were, like, the classic OBGYN. But it was just when you, you know, in your mind, it was just like, oh, crazy, mean women, you know, from childhood of moving all the time and having to kind of fit back into a group. I was like, oh, I don't want to work with women. And then when I did it, it's like I have grandmas and daughters and granddaughters. And then I get to go operate. And you're in such a, I mean, we do a, I do a lot of mental health with that. Probably not well because I'm not trained. But for the things we're, that we're I have work to. work on that. I know I'm not trained to do some of the things that I need lots of time to do for women but um but yeah so it was just it was the best of both worlds so finished resident I mean finished med school applied to residency got in at Wake Forest in North Carolina so I moved to North Carolina and we were I was there four years um my husband I actually met he uh, coached at Louisiana Tech my last year of college of uh of medical school you know, have to get through the four years different four years so I was in my last year of medical school he was coaching at Louisiana Tech and so he um I moved to North Carolina he switched to scouting and scouted and he lived in Ohio but could travel because scouts travel and so we got married my last year of residency and then got pregnant towards the end and then moved back to uh well, Monroe moved to Monroe and had a baby so I started mm-hmm. my job and I okay. was uh, 32 weeks pregnant. And so it's oh, like, hey, look. I'm going to be y'all's new doctor. And I'm going to take eight weeks off coming up soon. <laughs> nice <laughs> so, to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks. But I'm going to be back in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it was funny. You know, we, Chris is from outside of Philadelphia. And so he really, I mean, he was at Ruston and enjoyed tech. And then at that time was kind of trying to get back into coaching. So it was kind of a, where, we, where do you want to go? Where do we want to mm-hmm. go? We just picked somewhere. And then we were actually going to move to Houston. He had an offer in Houston and then got an opportunity to come back to Monroe. Um, St. Francis was great about doing a loan payback program. And I was like, we got to do this. You know, those loans that guy had told me about yeah. all those years are still there. Yeah. And so uh, a couple of them, yeah, <laughs> a couple, you know, we're eight, 12 years down the road now. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah. And then kind of thoughts that we would leave one day and just go. And here we are almost well, fixing to be 13 years. My oldest will be 13 next month. And you have so. how many kiddos? I have three boys. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. Eight-year-old. It's boy life in our house. Yeah. And a boy dog. I'm going to get a girl <laughs> something. <laughs> like, I need some. 
yeah. estrogen. Well, I always uh, laugh though. As I said, I think God gave me all boys because I have women all day. Yeah, I'm sure. Like all you needed a day. balance. I needed some of the other when I got after five. Right, right. <laughs> it's probably good for your soul. It is. Like. It is. Because I don't know. I can't imagine having a daughter sometimes. I'm like, I think I would overanalyze everything all yeah. day. I'm like, oh, we got to do this. Oh, we got. <laughs> like, you know, too much. And now I just say, I'm like, I'm going to teach these boys how to be really good husbands because awesome. I watch what my women go through and I'm like, we are mm. not going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel about my two. I'm just constantly like, this is how men act and this is how we don't act. And, yeah. You know. Well, I think it's just hard not to, I mean, I just watch it, you know, and I mean, from, from all aspects, you know, of, from abuse to just neglect to absolute adorable husbands to fathers it's just amazing how much it affects women on a regular basis mm-hmm. you know what happens in those relationships so did you yeah. say something about yale before the podcast oh well no i played volleyball in connecticut and uh, so okay. that's you know i traveled to new haven i actually played club ball you know oh, there cool. at um all those different schools so it was just an experience to get to go to all those places but no i did not go to yale gotcha. i <laughs> love i love volleyball I we parked in their parking lot. it's a it's a <laughs> you parked in their parking lot <laughs> You're like, I've been to Yale. I've been to Yale. I have a t-shirt. And a right. yeah. That's all you need to know. I love when I see people with like Yale or Harvard shirts on. I'm like. But did you? Yeah. yeah. But did you? <laughs> all right. So Mary, Mary Kay gets to be in charge today. I told her uh, she's going to do the questioning. So I get to just hang out for the first time ever. So go ahead. Just relax. Hit it up. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'll talk. Backs. I'm sure. but Can't help. Yeah, I know. Um, I was actually excited about this. Both of y'all could talk so much. I was like, we could go on so many tangents. Um <laughs> Okay. I'll have to do another one. <laughs> Part two. Um, okay. So, talking about this is not specifically to like women's health, but just for you in general, just as we kind of get to know you a little bit more, kind of how you got here. How do you juggle your job and family life? That's a um, you know that changes also as you get older and your children get older. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know I, I would say that's probably my biggest struggle that I have gone you know this. 13 years when I think of the day I started to where I am today sitting right now you know it's um I think it's difficult I do think that my profession is probably one of the harders being an OBGYN because your calls very different you know there's rarely any time any other maybe transplant you know surgeons or something that you literally when somebody calls it's at that moment right now and time matters Mm -hmm. kind of stuff so and the way we do it in Monroe Ruston is that you're you're patient's doctor all the time where a lot of patients you're going to be in a group practice so like you would be a patient of the woman's clinic so you Mm -hmm. would see all the different doctors where we don't do that at this time at the woman's clinic and so for me that means you don't know know, like you didn't know the other six Mm -hmm. doctors and so you take on a lot more ownership and kind of responsibility for the patients and a lot of that comes with the guilt of I don't want to not be there for her because she hasn't met Dr. Wilson or Dr. Kluger Dr. whoever you know and so for me that has been the biggest hardest challenge for me is deciding who i choose you know Mm -hmm. and so i think balance from that standpoint in the beginning um i wasn't as busy so it wasn't as hard and my i mean this sounds horrible my children were little and i don't think they noticed as much you know a lot of nap time we had a nanny at the house you know my husband was coaching at that time so he wasn't around a lot so then it was kind of like you were just going through the motions but then they get to the point where they're like why are you in scrub still mom you know and so i literally my children are traumatized from scrubs so if i come home and they're not off in a certain amount of time they know i'm going back out mm. and so we have to work through that you know so i think it's changed so probably i would say five years ago my practice was out booming out of control mm-hmm. i would i mean it was just slammed and i wasn't home much and i think you hit that point in your career i was 
you know, I took on too much because the doctor, you know, what did you call me in the Enneagram thing? That Oh, are you an eight? eight. An eight. Uh-huh. The eight in me was going to go and conquer all of it, you know? So I was, you know, chief of staff of this hospital and ordered this thing and this. and But it was just, I think, you know, potential was there. The older people were tired of it. They'd already done it. And I was the new person. They're probably happy coming. to give it to you. They're well, like, and you learn that. Great. You learn that fast. <laughs> uh, but so I was doing so much on the outside. But in my mind, I was like, man, I'm rocking it. Like I'm doing this, you know, and I was, I was doing a good job at work, but then I feel like at home, my poor husband, you know, was probably getting ignored and was, and then my kids were, and they're on the back burner of what happens as long as I can get to the weekend, Mm -hmm. you know? So that part really got hard. And so about five years ago, I stopped and I was like, I remember a friend giving me a book and it was because I told her, I was like, I was like, I just don't feel like I'm doing it right. Like, I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong. I just don't know that I'm going to be as proud of this later mm. as I am right Man, now. Man, that's such a deep, good point <laughs> to get to in life. It is. Yeah. It, it was a big moment, you know. And so she gave me a book. It was called The Praying Wife. And I read that, and I was like, oh, yeah. I got to reframe some of the stuff, you know. <laughs> like, I got I to gotta do some stuff different. And so that was the time when I realized I was like, I'm going to die, and my kids are going to put my name on something, and they're going to say, Dr. LeBlue this and Dr. LeBlue that. And then, you know, Mommy Vasley, Miss Vasley, yeah, she wasn't around much. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's got to switch. So um, we, in 2018, I think it was 18, I had decided we were going to leave. We moved to Pennsylvania, took a job up there, um, and got there with more of a, you know, like a, um, like an Oshner type situation, you know, more of a systems program. And it just wasn't the right move for us. When I got there, it was not what we expected it to be. So kind of my husband looked at us and he's like, I think we did the wrong move, you know, because I think we were more running maybe from Mm -hmm. what we needed to kind of fix and work on versus saying we've got to stay here where we've got this and make it work here. And I I probably could have worked there with time, but things just, it didn't line up. Like it was kind of like how you said, you know, I kind of felt like I prayed for a change and then maybe forced the change versus waiting to see what God was bringing in the change. <laughs> and that's that's a hard... Oh, man, it's a hard balance. It's a hard thing to figure out sometimes. So, you know, I, le- I left there. I remember you telling me when you were leaving. I was like, you're what? <laughs> no, you're not. And you were like, you can either switch to another doctor or ha- stay with me. I'm staying with you. And we're just going to see what happens. And like, yeah. literally, Isabella came the day after you left. You wrote me a doctor's note. I was like, Isabella, I don't think you understand the time crunch we're under. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, jump up and down, jump up and down. And then I remember when we all heard, we all heard, like, you know, expressing, yeah, like, Dr. Little Blue's coming back. We're like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, you it know, was quick. everybody was so excited. I know, it was yeah. only six months. I mean, but I knew, like, and I still look at it some days and I'm like, maybe it would have worked out, but there was just something there. And I mean, we moved back and I came back saying, I'm not getting back into that rigmarole of just doing everything yes and so you know and then my grandfather got sick during covid and passed away who Mm. is my person and so i was like i would not have been able to take off and do the things i did had i been up there so i think it it worked out is that your mom's dad that was my mom's dad yeah and so then i also in pennsylvania where i think things were not going well there for where i joined that all got better after i left because i think they saw like well, we just lost somebody that was going to do good things for us. And I was like, I can't work like this. You know, so I feel like maybe there was a, I was like a little key to kind of helping them. And then it worked out well for us in the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you can't screw God's plan up. Right. You know, like he's going to do what he's going to do. And you either get to learn along the way and see how much he loves you and cares about you and is shaping you during it, or you're blind to it and then wake up to it. Right. You know, it's, it's one of those things. And so he's going to use, right. 
what Satan uses for evil for good one right. way or the other. We just get to either be aware of it or, you know. Right. And I think, too, in the head. I don't know that I would have done it had I not left. Mm-hmm. Like, I made the decision, mm-hmm. but it was going to be so hard to just cut everything off and say, never mind, everything. I need to cut it all in half. Like, I don't think that would have happened. And by leaving, it just allowed me enough time to figure out I was home with the boys. Like, this is so much more important, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it allowed me with my husband for him to see that I am I do care and <laughs> you know like, you do love me yeah <laughs> exactly I mean but it was it was just all yeah. of that and so I don't know that I would have been able to turn it off or change it if I hadn't have gotten out of it for just took a breath you like know you're and too in it you, it's real part. it's it is and I'm, I mean just like you saying I mean in every single one of your patients looking at you going but you're not gonna what, what do you mean you can't it, it you just can't say no I mean you're mm-hmm. a doctor you're supposed but to take care of everybody I had like I again like the idea of like I feel relief. I mean, from, and I clamp told you this whenever you're like, hey, take time for your family and do these things. Like, and I have to mentally, I have to remind myself of those things. Like, no, this is a good thing to either get time to go, like, work out and be with my kids and do these things that are enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But even seeing you scale back, I think we all sensed it to an extent. Like, whenever, like, I like admire that. It's like, oh, good. Like, that's almost permission for the rest of us. Like, Definitely. that means that here's a job that's very high demand and somebody's saying no. Yeah. But I think we kind of get on this train and life takes off we've all seen it with covid whenever we got locked down everyone's like oh that was so nice and now life's full blown again it's like we get to say to an extent what we're going to do or not do so it was just it's so cool to see people who do have busy lives have the chance to stop and say no we're not going to do that so the rest of us gonna say we get to do that too like if they're doing it we can do that you well, know? and you had to, I mean, I, I literally, I was like, they can just say I'm weak. They could, I mean, I just have to stop. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing any of it well, mm-hmm. you know, like it was, it was enough and it was maybe above average, but it's still like, and what were my goals? I said, I'm not doing it anymore. Everybody's okay. Nobody's hurt. Everyone felt a little loved, but n- never did I feel like I gave it everything I could to this really just mm-hmm. blew it out of the water mm-hmm. you know it had mm-hmm. just gotten so I mean it was just too much volume too much time mm-hmm. across the board and it. so so now I mean now it's getting busy again and I've I mean I literally just did another scale back because it all took off again you yep. know Until it and I you know <laughs> it just gets crazy I feel you. it does and you yeah. do and I mean and for us you know for me you know it's nine months so everyone I see this month they're there for nine months so it's like i started seeing what was happening for the fall and i was like i can't do it again it's happening Mm -hmm. you know my husband's like you're disappearing again and i was like okay so i mean i literally called my business manager and said okay no more of this no more of this got to cut it back to this Mm -hmm. and so i'll start seeing the fruits of that in january because it's that far out that so i mean but it's the balance is hard Mm -hmm. you know and i just i mean my you know my oldest just started junior high this week and i was like i have got to be here i have to be around like i just i know it's big mm-hmm. it's, it's big it's coming for He's us so sooner cute. than later i know like, this is insane i know it is and so i just want to see it all i mean mm-hmm. i've got they're big sports players and so it's what just do they play? uh well we play hockey we're big hockey players oh, yeah. up here with the junior mud bugs so nice they do that and then baseball and so- and um and football and then they play soccer kind of but that's not their thing that's just gotcha. to keep them busy and yeah. cross country that's started cross country because like that's for the little one a Saturday. Have you have you read the ruthless elimination of hurry? Uh-uh. Before? You should check that out. I'll have to look at yeah, that. John, John Mark Comer, uh-huh. um, but it's just it, one of the examples. It says that Jesus, you know, he was always busy. Um, he was, you know, schedule was packed. He had stuff to do all the time, but he was never in a hurry. Right. So he could stop to heal the woman who was bleeding. He could stop to go to the next town to heal the the blind man. You know, he can go to the right. the well and and heal the man who couldn't walk. You know, like right. 
so it's not and there's nothing wrong with i hate the word busy when you know because it sounds like you know 50 years ago if you could play golf all day like you were rich right and today right. if you're killing yourself you know and working yourself to the bone then you're rich you right. know and yep. so but hurry is different than busy hurry is stressed out can't manage it everything's crazy you don't have any time for rest you don't have any time to go work out you don't have any time for your kids you know yeah and so you're making all this income and you have this career and you have all these things but then like you said you look back and the thing that you wanted the most right the thing that you yeah. prayed for the thing you wanted to nurture and care for you've left yeah. for oh i'll do that next month i'll do right. that next weekend i'll do that and that never comes right it's just easy in our culture i think the idea is you're supposed to do everything 110 mm-hmm. percent and nobody really stops to look at okay but how's the family life kind of coming i think it's kind of all expected of us when you do a job you do all of it mm-hmm. you don't get to do it just a little bit right and then it's just i was going somewhere else with that and i totally blanked out on it mm-hmm. but it's just kind of it's hard to be able to put that priorities to know like what do i want that to look like and man i was going somewhere else with that and i totally forgot well, and I think women, I mean, I, I feel like I always say I'm going to get knocked off at something one day because I literally feel like I always laugh because I feel like my, it was drilled into me. You can do anything you want. You can be the best, the greatest, the biggest. And so in your mind, and it, it may be my personality as well, is I wanted to be the best doctor and popular mm-hmm. and, and the CEO. You know, it's just like to go, to go. And then I'm like, and you can be your mom and you can be the working mom and you can do I just don't think you can do it all, mm-hmm. you know? And you hit this point where they say, yeah, you can. And I'm like, you can't do it all. Mm-mm. Like, you can't do it all. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, it is impossible to do all of it. We weren't meant to do it all. And that's where I feel like now, like, mm-hmm. I always say they'll come and tell me to come talk to a bunch of young women. I'm going to be like, ooh, <laughs> I think you should find that thing you really like and just do really good at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if you want it to be your mom, if you want it to be work and you're not really interested in kid, that's great too. But, like... It's such a hard balance. And I and I mean, and from what you were saying with it being me, I feel like people look at me and they say, oh, but you do all. And I'm like, no, it's no different whether you're staying at home. Like, you don't have to be the popular OBGYN and say, well, you're different. I'm like, I'm the same as you. Like, you're oh, yeah. tired and exhausted. I'm tired and exhausted. They're in totally different you know Mm -hmm. ways but it's the exact same thing you're trying to make everything you can do in this situation and i'm trying to do it all here Mm -hmm. and in the end we're both just staring at each other going oh did we did we even do anything right today it's like we don't set ourselves up for success or our kids up for we're kind of especially our our little girls are like you could do it all you can be everything and it's like don't tell them be the president (laughs) yeah it was like you but you're saying like you're going you're if you're saying yes to something i've heard like you're also saying no to something else right like this idea of you could you could try to do everything but it's going to cost something somewhere else and so eventually you'll figure out that that's not what you wanted Mm -hmm. yeah and who are you trying to make happy and i think this goes back to a theological perspective of Mm -hmm. we're the body of christ Right. Some people are really awesome at doing podcasts and talking and speaking and doing all those kind of things. But I promise you, you don't want me in the office answering the phones and taking down. Nobody's going to be seen. Right. Like, I don't, I'm no. not going to remember where oh, I wrote yeah. it down. My wallet's going to be somewhere where I can't find it. You You're know, like, like somebody called. Yeah. A right. uh, person called. Their name was Charlie Mark. I don't remember, but they had a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and they want to see somebody. Well, and I, I always said that with the business office. They're like, well, da, 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 we couldn't do this. I'm like, I, if it was up to me, nobody would pay their bills. Exactly. Because, like, I just feel bad. Yeah, and they're like, like but, and I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? Tell her, see ya. Right. If you didn't pay your bills, you're out. Good luck. I right. was like, no, we'll, uh, we'll work it out. We have a loan forgiveness program. 
Yeah. I'm like, sorry. Hey, kids, we won't eat this week, but this lady needs a C-section. But she's going to have a baby in yeah. three months. So, but right, it is. Right. But there's somebody that does that part. But mm-hmm. nobody models that for young girls, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would say because of you know generations of war that we've had in America, we'll just stay that far. We can go way back. But you know, we've had men who have been traumatized and don't know how to connect and don't know how to be you know dads in the way that biblically we're called to do it. And then we've seen, you know, that that be a, a culture of suffering in the household for men and women and divorce rate, you know, for right. uh, for both of us, at least, you know, divorce yeah. being a big thing that happens in childhood. That's extremely traumatic. Did you so, just take me out of? I wasn't sure if you were or not. Uh, you know. uh, divorce. Oh, no, my parents aren't divorced. I, right. was, I thought you meant like generationally, like you're too you're young. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I didn't take you out. I, meant, I didn't know if your parents were divorced. I don't think no. they were. Mm-mm. But my point is, is that, you know, you have all this generational epigenetic stuff playing into the current and we don't teach women we don't teach men any of this stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know we we make these big blanket statements about you can be anything and you Mm -hmm. can be the best and and what they hear is then i have to right right and and then it's always this constant chasing our tail of if i finally get here i'll be content or i'll make my parents proud or Mm -hmm. i'll you know i have to work and have a kid or i have to stay home to be a good mother you know it's all that dynamic i hear it in here every day and we compare like not even on purpose but it's like you know people you know even when i ask people i'm like what do you do and they're like i'll stay at home i'm like great yeah like don't say it proudly i'm like that's okay you made a decision yeah Yeah. you know that could be so hard it's you know or the one that you know i haven't had kids because i work too hard and i'm like that's okay too you know like but as long as you're okay with it yeah is it congruent right yeah exactly are you trying to be an eye when you're a toe you know like you know if you're if you're if you're a toe be the best toe you can ever be right but Mm -hmm. make sure that that's congruent with who god is calling you to be and you know within the realm of what your skills are and you know all that stuff and i think that's that's one of the harder things and i mean i do i I feel like you know there is a lot with women women having more things but i'm i always say god made a woman and a man for a reason Mm -hmm. and i don't want to be a man but sometimes i feel like i in from childhood had kind of focused in on being more of that Mm -hmm. and maybe not childhood maybe even a little bit older than that but i hit a point where it was like i can i'm gonna get it I'm going to mm-hmm. conquer it. I'm going to beat it. I'm mm-hmm. going to do it. And it was like goal setting, but it just became an area that I had to reach. Mm-hmm. And it's such a competitive. Whenever you're raised in a sports environment, it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. you know, it's kind of, I think that's even like some of, I was even talking to a client. I was like, even that sports world's probably not great. Cause we're like, if you really care, this is what you're going to do to go get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of like, and if you don't, then you must not care. And I'm like, that's not true. That's just too black and white Yeah, <laughs> to say it that way. And so I think we, we get that rub at some point. We're kind of like, no, that doesn't mean that I don't care. It just means my priorities are different. Yeah. And that's okay for that to be the case. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, so so back to the work mm-hmm. balance is uh, it's constant work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm always, I mean, some days I feel real balanced. And I'll hit a period where I'm like, I'm doing it right right now. Mm-hmm. And then I'll hit a period where I'm like, eh. Not doing it as good, whether it's the job or at home. Like in the summers when the boys are home, I mean, I take a lot of vacation. And I do sometimes feel like I'm not as good a doctor, not from a standpoint of someone being hurt, but just where my patients don't get as much attention because mm-hmm. my children are at home and I have that for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And this is our family time. Mm-hmm. And like, I have to do it. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I have to do, good you yeah. know? And so, and then there's other times like right now they're starting school and this is, you know, the fall's the baby boom time and I'm gone a lot. I mean, it's just, there's more babies in the fall and you know, and they see it and everybody sees it. And mm-hmm. then I have to start figuring it out again. Everybody's yeah, home so. for summer. It is. Spring. It's, it's yeah. spring. And all those That's flowers right. and all the animals are happy. And everybody makes babies in the spring. That's right. This is how it works. Yep. 
But I mean, I appreciate your honesty on it, just well, because I think you know it's I'm e- an open book. Yeah, but I think, but I love that because I think it's easy, especially in your job. It can feel like, do I need to try to have it all together? Because because we do have this idea of this is what doctors do and what mm-hmm. they look like and how they do their lives, oh, and yeah. in general, because we do compare about who's doing what, and there's shame for all of us. And like, do I need to be working? Do I not need to be working? So, yeah. just even the honesty say it's not easy either way. Like I no. continue to come back to friends, and we're like, I don't think there's an easy easy solution either way. Mm-hmm. The grass is always greener on the other side. And we're just trying to figure it out. Right. And love our kids. Right. <laughs> the best way. Right. I had a patient the other day that was telling me, <clears throat> a little bit older than me, but kind of telling her story. And, I mean, she was, you know, I mean, she needed help. Mm-hmm. Like, she was lost. and But it was my story. But she's not an OBGYN, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's talking and she's talking. And I start to talk to her and just. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so unprofessional. But it was like yeah. I needed to tell her what I'm telling myself right and I looked at her and I said I am doing the exact same thing you're doing right Mm -hmm. now Mm and I just need to tell you it's gonna work out you know but I felt like I was like I totally was so unprofessional but it just came out but I did I was like we're in the same walk of life you're not a doctor and I'm Mm -hmm. not what you are but we are doing the exact same thing right now oh man I don't think it's unprofessional to be human yeah you know I think we've lost that a lot in professional settings of like we can't be empathetic. We can't connect. We can't share anything about ourselves or somehow that's unethical or whatever. And obviously there's a spectrum, right? But man, but then you worry too, though. Like, I don't want y'all to ever think, you know, my patients to ever think like, Oh, she's not good right now. Like she's not going to be able to do something, you know, or she's not her mind's, you know, it's like that. Any helping for, because there's times I think like, okay, if I tear up, right. Cause there's times like there are people's stories impact me to a certain Oh my gosh. And just grieving with them. Right. Like, cause life should not have been that way, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, but you're right. I mean, there's that sense of, okay, I'm supposed to be taking care of you. Right. You know, and, and like, I, I'm good. I'm going to be able to do your pap smear fine. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> you know, don't, worry. don't worry. I still got it. I can see through there. Right. You know, I but trained like, for this. You know, you go to a C-section and, you know, yeah. they're like, oh, Dr. LaBlue looks a little off today. And I'm like, I'm not off. I'm good. I'm really good. This I can get this machine right. part of this. But, you right. know, those are the parts where sometimes I feel like you, you feel like you don't want to, you need to hide it. Yeah. Well, know? I think that goes back to authenticity and you know, our parent, like just talking about parenting, uh, you know, like they don't need you to be perfect. They mm-hmm. need you to be real and authentic. Right. They need you to apologize. They need to, they need to hear you say that you're tired. They need you to, you know, yeah. but cause what happens is when we don't ever do that, then they expect us to be perfect. And I would say the same thing about pastors, leaders, doctors, oh, yeah. therapists, there's a level where we have to be human mm-hmm. and we don't want to be put up on that pedestal of having it all together. Cause right. guess what people do? Then they expect that they can do that. Right. Mm-hmm. They look to you to go, well, if I'm going to be a doctor, if I'm going to be a good woman or a strong woman, then I can never say that I'm weak. I can never say that I'm struggling. I can never say that I had a hard day. Right. But when you do, you get permission, right, mm-hmm. for them to be like, okay, I can still be tired. I can still be worried. I can still be trying to find balance and still do a good enough job. Right. Right. So it's being good enough, not perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I cried in front of my kid the other day because she put me over the edge. I just started crying. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> She's like, she was about to start crying. I don't think she knew what to do with it. I'm like, mommy, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is me. It is. Like, you know, it's just those, you're human. Oh, you yeah. can only, you know. And Absolutely. And as parents, we can feel like we have to do things perfectly. It's like, even, Mm-mm. like, I'll even, I, I, I get rubbed the wrong way when I hear people say, I, I work to show my daughter that she can do this too. I'm like, she doesn't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she she may, but like she wants you home, or he wants you home. They want not home. Like, well, it's like we're always trying present. to set an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where sometimes I'm like, the example is just to sit down and listen yeah. to them and play games. We get to yeah. know them. Yeah. Get to know them. Like, listen, let them tell your story and put the phone away. Yeah, yeah. God like, might put not it away. Them to be a doctor. <laughs> no. Yeah, or work or not work or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, if you don't know your kid, 
then all you're doing is trying to set an example that's not who they're going to be. Right. And how many times do we hear in our offices people, you know, becoming doctors, becoming therapists, becoming lawyers because their dad was or their mom was. Right. And they felt like everybody has to do this in our family. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. But it's not who they are. And yeah. so eventually it crashes and burns. Right. And that's what I always think about my mom, my, my mom, that side of family. I mean, we're lovey. You know, like still my cousins, all of us will all pile on the couch under a blanket together. It's just we're touchy-feely, lovey people. Mm-hmm. And my kids are like that. They have no boundaries when it comes to something. <laughs> like they'll be in there and they'll be like, hey, mom, and they're in the bed. And then somebody comes over that, you know, like all the babysitters I've had, they'll get in there and get in the blanket with me. You know, like we're just those people. But I don't know that like when Chris's family is not like that as much. And so they're always like, whoa. And yeah. I'm like, but I want. And now my kids are like that. And our family, my mom's side, that side is like that. And I was like, and I want them to be like that. Like, mm-hmm. I want them to be okay with affection. hugging. Like, you know, I remember seeing when my oldest had to figure out that you can't hug your friends anymore. <laughs> like, you're supposed to do a fist bump or something. And Cole would be like, bye. And he'd get ready to hug. And I was like, don't hug them. Don't hug them. <laughs> you're like, I haven't been over this with you yet. Yeah, don't hug them. You're 12 now. We can't hug anymore. <laughs> Yeah. But, but it was yeah. like he I knew. still hug my friends and tell them I love them. But you know, I think you get back to that. No, no, for sure. Yeah. yeah you during know, but the teenage was, years, yeah. it's like. But he just, he knew, like, to show affection, like, he loves his friends. So he was just going to hug them because right. we hug. Right. And I was, and they were like, that's so oh. good, though. Do you know how many clients? I'm like, who hugged you? And they're like, I think that's no one. Huge. I'm like, no, so no one showed you affection. You know, we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Like, you ask those kind of basic questions where it's kind yeah. of like. I've never thought of it ever in their life. Right, yeah. right. I, and I don't think my husband, their family is not, I mean, they're great, but they're not as touchy-feely. And I mean, you know, you can you, you can see it. my husband when we're all like, and he's like, oh, y'all are all under the one blanket in the same corner on top of each other? And I'm like, yeah, you are. We're like dogs. You know, I feel so <laughs> secure right all, now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the puppies are all in We here. laugh all the time. We, like, if my, my wife and I are together and we go in somewhere and we kind of generally know somebody, you know, they'll come and hug me and she's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> she sticks her hands on, shakes her hands. And, and used to, and when we were first married, it, it would bother me. But that's her being authentic. Yeah. Now, if she knows you more than like three times, she's going to hug you, and then right. she's going to hug you forever. And right. she's really touchy feely if she knows you and yeah. trusts you. But my instinct is, what's up? I'll do, you know, I'll that's take whatever. And and she's more like, no, I'm going to shake your hand at first. And then after we've met a couple times, like, then maybe I'll hug you. Oh, I know. But it's like, you have to just figure out, instead of, you're right in marriage or family instead of judging or critiquing that somebody's not like that you know help them to be authentic and however it is yeah. that they mm-hmm. i feel like i'm beating the authenticity horse today but that's uh, the theme yeah but mm-hmm. i mean that's the thing but it's real i mean but i think that's going through all this that when you know i was reviewing all these questions that we maybe would talk about it really we went maybe down would. Yeah. well maybe would we're i think we're on we two. got 45 minutes and we're <laughs> I was like, left and we have uh, two, I'm sorry, two. two this was me brainstorming when i said no the this questions. is great I hey, like i said i think i told you we could do it we've probably a, answered a some of them already without yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but with that authenticity part that is for females and you know when you asked one of your questions was going over the lifespan of mm. what do you see and that is what's been crazy for me is seeing what i see my teenagers going through right Mm -hmm. now and you know social media I mean I don't want to harp that because it's just I mean it's a no-brainer to me but Mm -hmm. what they're having to go through with social media and authenticity and what they're needing and what they're not getting and what they're thinking is so bad and then you get into you know I was I literally was going through I was like okay so if I had to categorize everybody so I was like okay we got our teen years right and it's this you know they start their periods and then they Mm -hmm. have to deal with that and then all these emotions they the emotions are extremely big and Mm -hmm. then the moms don't know what to do so then they have this relationship with their moms that can go really bad or really good Mm -hmm. so I deal with that a lot Mm -hmm. you know the moms bring them in 
Oh, she needs her hormones, you know. And then the <laughs> daughter, the daughter's sitting here rolling her eyes at the mom, or the mom's pressuring her, and the daughter's so scared she doesn't know what to do, you know. So there's this whole situation where I'm like, okay, I got to make sure you trust me, but I need you to trust your mom, you know. So you have you that. were doing therapy. It's literally like what yeah. we're kind of like. Oh, how I, do we kind of land in the middle here? I, I mean, <laughs> it's all the time. Yeah. Like uh, that's what I do. And then you get to the twenty something or the college girls, you know, it's just protect them gosh mm. I just try to teach them to be smart and stay in good situations you know and then you get to the 20s where these girls are going out and they're getting their jobs and their friends are getting married and so now they're stressed because am I gonna have babies and when am I gonna have babies and mm-hmm. what do I do and what the timeline I mean I had a patient and they're still in. babies they are but you know and I will say that was a different thing when I was in Pennsylvania is when I went to the Northeast people didn't have babies till they were 35 like mm-hmm. that was the norm and if somebody got pregnant in their 20s they were like why oh she's having a I'm like, I don't know, 30 down here. Everybody's starting to talk about raising their eggs. (laughs) You're fine. You've got time. Take a deep breath. The stress might actually be worse for you. Yeah. (laughs) But it's been, you know, but the 20s is that time period where it's just like there's so much comparison of am I living up? I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to get married. I'm supposed to have children. I should be here already, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you hit the 30s where it's like you're having babies and everybody, about 30 to 30, you know, 28 to 33, 30 to 35. You know, it's kind of like I've just had a baby. Everybody's having fun. Like we're Mm -hmm. still having fun. Everybody's young. Babies are young. And then you hit 35 to 42 when all the babies start to get into activities. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you and your husband are drowning his job's getting busier you're needing more help your job's getting busier the kids need more time they have to be places and everything's a mess like 35 like to how do we get 43 here? is like for women like I see it all the time divorce rates I don't know what I don't look at those numbers but I'm telling you it's high right there yeah. <laughs> y'all probably look at those numbers it's high. but that's a high time and well, it's so, usually seven years in you know yeah yeah it is so about right you have you know yeah a kid Depending or two and yeah and it is that's the time period where it's just i feel like i have these same conversations six times a day which is you're okay like every single you're number six today mm-hmm. that is having this exact same problem you know like you're not alone in having this right. an issue and oh. it's the body image you mm-hmm. know now we're done having babies and so now i don't and like my body do not turn back no that it and it's not baby. going and that's important to know <laughs> we all think you rarely do. are you going to look like you did <laughs> right. it takes a all, lot of work right a lot we're of all kind of like this is this is gonna happen, you right. know? And it's like, it's okay if it's not. And also, I, I like our moms are like, I don't want the 18 year old version of myself. I appreciate yeah. who I am more now. I'm scared to say my age in case my clients listen. My 29 year old self more uh-huh. than I did in college. Right. But we have this, you know, pressure to like, right. we're supposed, my husband's like, who is they? Who is the, who is pressuring you to look a certain way? I was like, and you I don't even... know, Stephen, they are. But really, <laughs> but really they is you. Yeah. Right. It really is. Like, they is you. Mm-hmm. You are pressuring yourself to be something. Your mm-hmm. husband, I mean, and I'm saying in general, obviously, there's always people, but your husband's not pressuring mm-hmm. you to look like you did. He just mm-hmm. wants you to be happy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And But you feel like you need to look different because, you know, it'll. it's just what you're always supposed to look. You're supposed mm-hmm. to look better, you know? Mm-hmm. You feel like you're supposed to do something different from a mom standpoint. You know, I laugh that the Pinterest mom are to be everything, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, I mean, that's there, and there's certain things. I mean, I made the posters for my kids to go to school the other day that, you know, I'm going to sixth grade, and I'm going, and I'm like, that's it for the year. I won't do it again. Oh, I don't yeah, have it in I do it once a year. <laughs> I have all my friends, like, we're in the stage where everybody has newborn pictures and your birth pictures, and I'm like, I'm so tired. I'm like, I don't have time to call anybody. Yeah. So I've just, like, have accepted as a mom. 
I'm just not, I'm okay not being that. I have a certain amount of energy I'm going to give each day, and that's not it. Right. <laughs> and so, but, but I think it's okay to say, you're, and you don't need to be those things. That's yeah. figuring it out. You and know? some people kill it in that area, and they mm-hmm. do everybody else's pictures for them, and they love it. And those They get moms, life from it. Yeah, exactly. And again, it goes back to figuring out who you're you've off. been made to be. But that's the know? point of what I was saying is that is yeah. it. That's the, you've got to, it's going to change. You know, and that's where I feel like, that's what I love about my job is watching. I remember the girl that came in when she was 15, Mm -hmm. and now I'm delivering her baby. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, you've grown, and you've changed. And I've seen some go really good and some go bad. You know, know, not bad, but things go bad. And so it's just that authenticity of knowing what you want. Mm -hmm. Like what, and I mean, I am Christian-based in prayer and opening up to that I think is so important because you can get lost in what you want is not what you wanted or needed but you didn't even know it you well, know? what an yeah, amazing really space good. for you to be able to decide you know disciple women you know to be a Christian to do that ministry in your office as an OBGYN because you're getting to prepare them and educate them and help them in ways that other people aren't you know, right and point them right. towards the truth and and help them to see that like your worth and value is not tied into all this nonsense right mm-hmm. And that's what, I mean, and I, I kind of, you know, and that's where I think for us talking together is where I struggle is they'll come in and I have five minutes. Yeah. Five minutes. And I mean, every now and then I know, like, you get the rest of the afternoon and everybody's going to wait or what, because it's, it's bad. But, yeah. you know, it's like I have five minutes and I'm looking and I'm like, I need you to come back every week for the next six weeks to make sure we're moving forward, you know, and I can't mm-hmm. do that. And they can't do that. It's not how I'm set up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a five minute, you see this many people and it's not, you don't get an hour. I mean, you can get an hour, but it's not going to go well for the other 14 people that are sitting outside if you get an hour. Mm -hmm. And that's where, for me, I struggle is trying to figure out to tell them what I want. You need to do this, 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 and this. I give them an outline. And now I'm like, and then I need you to go see Mary-Kate so she can hold you accountable for that. Yes. Because that's where, but then when you go and say, well, I think you need to see a count. I've thrown one out there. Do you have a counselor, therapist, life coach, friend? I don't know what to call them because the minute you throw it in, whatever, when you throw that in, they look at you and they're like, I don't, number one, I don't have time. Nobody Mm -hmm. has time for anything. They don't have time to work out. They can't afford it. They don't have time for it. They don't want to need it. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, with the new stat is on being on your phone, that the average American spends 13.3 hours a day on their phone. Oh my Lord. Over the 30, 35 year lifespan, that's 44 years that the average person moving forward will spend on their, on looking at a screen during the day. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be that way. Well, when people tell me they don't have time is what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like 15 of that go sit on your porch with a cup of coffee, a tea, and watch the birds mm-hmm. watch the squirrels mm-hmm. run across because i can promise you your stress level will go down if mm-hmm. you spent 15 minutes yeah. not on that phone but sitting outside and listening to birds and taking some deep breaths mm-hmm. yeah. like that and I, that's where i start with a lot of patients is i'm like i want you to take five minutes five minutes five minutes mm-hmm. that is it to go outside and sit down i mean i had a lady the other day and i taught her belly breathing mm, two minutes good. two minutes i was like i don't have time for this i can't like this is my class to do that i'm like just breathe but that's and what I told her. Yeah. I was like, two minutes. I was like, okay, we're going to practice this real quick. I don't have time for this. Two minutes. Here we go. I'm going to do this. You know, and I just said, but I did just tell. She just she just needed a way mm-hmm. to kind of find something. But those are the kind of things where the integrative wellness comes in so big is because for me, I am not set up. Insurance is not set up. My clinic is not set up to do that. Yeah. Now, I would love it. That's kind of where I'm. Your dream. Yeah, that's my dream. Mm-hmm. But it's just that's the thing where women, I don't. I mean, I don't take care of men, so I really don't feel like I can talk about it, but they need it too. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they do. Uh, but for women, I'm like, this is who they need. I'm like, they need me to come in and say, okay, you're going to come once a week, 
And we're going to do exercise and health one week, and we're going to do meditation or some type of spiritualness one week. And then one week we're going to talk about community and who you hung out with that made you better. Mm-hmm. Not who you hung out with that wasn't healthy, but who, you know, and then we're going to do one day of just medicine. We're going to do health today, you know, and that's mm-hmm. like, we all need that. Yeah. To slow down. Yes. And take the time. Mm-hmm. But that's why I put all over my little notes for you is slow down, so, slow down and live mm-hmm. like just live. Cause we're not living. Mm-hmm. We're, racing through it really quick and just trying to check boxes we're in a hurry Mm -hmm. makes me think of that alabama alabama song i'm in a hurry to get things done and Uh i rush and rush to life's no fun that's true all i really got to do is live and die i'm in a hurry and don't know why they had it in the 80s (laughs) and here we are and we're in 2021 they had hurry in the 80s (laughs) i think that was from the 80s (laughs) yes probably 80s or 90s yeah that was such a it was a mullet so probably later yeah it was a mullet i'm just playing the video yeah but that's mullets are coming back but you know, and oh, they're we back. Like mm-hmm. They're not yeah, the teenage. The teenagers, crowd, yeah. Oh, bad. oh gosh, I can't. No mullets. But I like how you kind of condense. Like, because even as I was writing that, I was like, well, one, I was almost writing from both of our perspectives. I'm like, okay, not everybody's where Clint and Mary Kate are. Like, either having babies or trying to figure out kids or like. So I was like, okay, let's look at the lifespan. So that I love how you kind of condense that. Like, there's so much hurry that nobody's slowing down to one be okay individually but even in their relationships like mom and daughter's coming in right. like hey just fix her it's like why don't you just take the time to be with her for a little bit right you know and it's like and it does and it takes a lot you know and mm-hmm. you'll see it i mean but i didn't get to the 40s but that's the menopause i mean your body changes you start feeling less like yourself your hormones change your kids go to college mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're sitting here going well crud now what am I going to do with myself? Right. You know? And then you look over at your spouse and you go, who are you? You don't know who they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of them don't. And I'm like, I mean, I had a lady the other day. I said, do you remember why y'all got married? Do you remember? I mean, because I do a lot of marriage counseling, not with the man, but with the woman of the year. So we're going to try today. Yeah. You know? And so, and I was like, do you remember why you married him? And she was like, that was a long time ago. And yeah. I said, well, y'all go back and get silly. Like, get silly like you when you were 18. Just goofy silly. And that's what I always tell them. I'm like, take, literally just do something silly and y'all will laugh and you'll find it again mm-hmm. you know Enjoy or you may other. not you may look and say i don't know why i married him and then you gotta go call mary kate again <laughs> <laughs> olivia <laughs> whoever yeah. Yeah, yeah. somebody somebody right. and then you get the what's funny though is the women who i always think need the least the 60s are kind of the same thing because that's just everything changes but the 70 and 80 year old women happy mm. they're really happy it's something that happens in your 70s. They're just comfortable. And it's because I don't know if it's because they're not chasing kids around. You know, a lot of them, their husbands have passed away. or But they're just comfortable with. <laughs> it was no, our fault. Uh, no, but I'm like, they're not. They're just you're just throw that in gone, there. Your husbands are dead us. and you're about to die. So you're they're just comfortable. That was bad, didn't it? <laughs> no. But it was just that they're, 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 they're alone, but they're not yeah. sad. You know? Content. They're content. <laughs> I that. Okay. Oh, it's Edit so that good. Out. No, Edit it's that great. That's awesome. You're like, so there's a correlation. I told you I don't do men. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that also speaks to maybe doing enough life and you're like, okay, I've done all these things and it hasn't worked. It's like what you're even speaking to of... I'm going to keep going and going until I get here. Okay, well, I did that and that didn't work. So I'm going to keep going and going until I get here. Okay, and I'm still not content. And ultimately, it comes back to the Lord and saying, like, Lord, how do I get contentment in you? But life does that to you. Whereas, like, even when I have clients who look at me, even asking us a question about their kids, I'm like, here's the thing. Life has a way of molding them yeah. <laughs> and helping them get there right. in ways that, as a parent, you're not going to be able to force on your children. And so, but the Lord does that with us. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he just, he molds us in ways, I think, that right. it sounds like, 
which I'm not there yet, but no. like 70s or 80s. Well, and and but I do think <laughs> that, well. yeah, take yeah. it, just slow down. <laughs> but worry. they do. I mean, I think in that point though, you know, men have a tendency as they get older. I do see that sometimes men get a little angrier of of the younger generation. Women don't seem to do that. They just kind of get content with. I don't mm. know. I don't know. Like mm. they're just happy, you okay. know, and and that works both ways, you know, but. It's kind of when men retire, I think sometimes they get lost not having anything to do. Where women kind of are sitting around going, well, he's home or he's not here. And I'm just kind of content with being here. You know, yeah. I don't know. I just noticed that a lot. Yeah. When I was writing this out, I was sitting there thinking about the 70s. And I was like, they're all happy. <laughs> like, they're really happy. They come mm-hmm. in and they're just happy. And maybe it's, I mean, you know, the women in their 70s had a rough life early on you know like things are different than Mm -hmm. what we haven't been through Mm -hmm. depressions in the 90s you know like we didn't go through all that so for them they're like i mean i'm good yeah so it's just a different yeah i don't know different experience of what hard was you know you hear all that stuff about you know from your grandpas Mm -hmm. and oh you think it's hard you know but it really walked up the hill barefoot both ways in snow yeah have you seen it there's like a meme like that during like the snowpocalypse i was like is this the snow my grandmother was talking about but yeah. that's good though i didn't even i mean it's just good to hear that perspective yeah because i haven't that's well, not what we're that's what i was interested in it's like what do you see in your job and kind of yeah with women but that's what i see i mean it really is but that is i think the where you're getting to you're not there yet but i mean mm-hmm. that 35 to 45 i feel like and then 45 different problems but then 45 to 60 that maybe even 55 that's mm-hmm. that's where i see the most kind of real struggle you know? Yeah, I think in our culture, especially because we've put, you know, we put off so much, mm-hmm. you know, and then we're dealing with it then right. for a majority. And I would hope that what people can get out of us talking about this is that, you know, we don't have to wait until we're 70 or 80 to be content. No, you know, to be slow. <laughs> Please let know. me be content way before that. Yeah. Right. But I, I think it, it takes reframing life and our perspectives and our, and, and somebody telling us like, Hey, don't go for these goals. I was had a high schooler here. I've been seeing her since she's 11. She's graduating, you know, going, going to LSU, amazing kid. And I've gotten to see her for a long time right. grow in these little stages. And, and, uh, and she was stressing out about grades. I mean, you know, she's making a four point four point and she's stressing out about getting an a, you know, a 93 instead of a hundred. And it's all that pressure of, well, if I don't, if I don't make a hundred, then I can't go to LSU, then I can't go to grad school and I can't get my doctorate. And then, so we just went through, I was like, well, what's that going to get you? Mm-hmm. Like at the yeah. end of the day, what's that actually achieve? Like, well, money and success. Well, what is success? You know, what do yeah. you want that to look like? Do you right. want kids? Do you want to be married? Do you want, you know, and it's just, they nobody stops, especially if they don't go to therapy. Right. You know, or meet with a, somebody, you right. know, um, spiritual guide, doctor who well, will like say I said, it, whoever. <laughs> I don't you know what to there needs to be somebody. Right. But, um, but to stop and actually go, okay, well, what is all this for? You know, because if you if you get all of that and you think that's going to bring you happiness and success, I can guarantee you that it's not. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we just have to, I think, especially for women who are listening, what I'd love to, them to do is, is look internally and work through that stuff and go, what, what for, what's for me? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to make me content? Right. Maybe I need to talk about this. Maybe I don't need to be my mom. Maybe I don't need to strive to not be my mom. Right. And let me just figure out, you know, there are other women out there that are healthy who are educated, who want to support you and work with you and help you find that balance. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I don't think we ever find it, but we strive for it. But that's, I mean, I have to do it better. You know, like yeah. you might never be perfect balance, but 
you can do better at it. Yeah, that's definitely. A, I'll ask my clients. I always have to preface with my clients. Don't think I'm crazy, but what voice is in your head that's urging you to do that? And I don't mean like, are you just hearing something like, is it your mom, your dad, a coach? Like, who is that that's getting? I mean, because we all have that, right? Like, we have, if we all stop and we're like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And so, is almost. I mean, it's kind of sounds like you're saying. Like, what are who's the one kind of helping? That's what's pushing you. Yeah, it's pushing you to do that. And it's like, is that where you even want to go? And so I think that's just worth all of us to stop, especially if we look at our world and just how many loud voices. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. to look at that. Okay. Um, to pivot a little bit. I mean, this sounds really abrupt, but if we were to kind of go back to even like help people in terms of tangible, I think there's a lot of tangible things they can take away in terms of just being introspective and even the idea of being authentic. I think we've really talked about that a good bit, but if you were to, one of the questions I had, even just things that people may not know to be aware of when they go through different stages, that when they come up, like even if we were, and this is very specific to like postpartum or even pregnancy. um, If you were, what characteristics do you see in, do you see women with postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression? And what you know what do you see because I, I hear from a lot of even like other women like i didn't know i had this right until I maybe had a second i was like oh that wasn't normal or like you know right um so postpartum depression i mean that's you know highest risk for it is going to be just any history of anxiety or depression and i mean it's usually not just one you know anxiety i would definitely say 100 percent going to see more of you know but a lot of times they're going to the two to go do go together mm-hmm. you know um postpartum anxiety it's there's you know, the times of, am I doing it right? Scared about the baby, not feeding the baby right. Breastfeeding adds in an entire mm-hmm. different thing. I always say I can tell whether it's going to go good or bad based on how well the breastfeeding went. You know, mm-hmm. the patient wants to breastfeed and it goes bad. I'm like, nah, they're going down that, they're going down the bad path and it goes well. And they I show up at six weeks and they're, everything's perfect, you know? So mm-hmm. the breastfeeding really, and there's so much pressure on that now, mm-hmm. you know, it's great. I love it. I want you to do it. But it's like, if you don't do it well, mm-hmm. it's like you're a failure. Like ever, and mm-hmm. nobody feels, nobody says that to them, but it's like you're a failure. But I think it's because it's on every, mm-hmm. they yeah. have to breastfeed. You have to breastfeed. That expect, I mean, going back to the expectation of here's what this is supposed, this is what's supposed to happen. Right. We're supposed to have a baby supposed to breastfeed this baby and it's going to be great nobody tells you if they have a latch issue or if they have a tongue tie or mm. if it's just you have mastitis and tr- you know triggering me over here yeah you're, you're like you're like okay we're good we can well and <laughs> watching the husbands not be able to help their wives no, yeah. so i mean i've had husbands call the office and be like she's not good please check on her well and you i'm know? also like you know uh, to some degree you're just kind of a dumb dude and you're like oh i thought you women doctors knew all about these things you know we're getting like 14 you know weeks much- in and my and the doctor's like another doctor's like Oh well, you, he has a lip and tongue tie, and my wife's had mastitis four times, and I'm like, well, I definitely wouldn't have known that, you know what I mean? Right. Like, who's supposed to know this stuff and well, tell my wife so that we don't have the last, you know, 14 ugh. weeks of our life? Right, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is, you know, the ACOG, which is our American College of um, Gynecology, is going into calling it the fourth trimester, mm-hmm. which is the postpartum period, because. I mean, literally, you have a baby, and I come in and see you for 10 minutes mm-hmm. after that, the next two days, mm-hmm. and then you go home. Mm-hmm. Well, your milk's not in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Your baby's barely awake yet. You know, you they don't, don't cry until the day they nobody go. Nobody tells you what it's like <laughs> when your milk comes in. No, yeah. Uh-huh. It's and just... Eight and then, weeks, they don't stop sleeping bad. Everybody's like, my baby sleeps so good. I'm like, oh. Yeah. yeah. How old is it? Three weeks, so it's still in the womb, isn't it? Right. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like nobody... And 
I mean, I can't go to your house. You know, like it doesn't work. I mean, I could, but you know, it's not set up that way. It's not how we do it in America, you know? Right. And so it's such a situation. And so we get on a long tangent. Oh yeah. Don't that. get me started on that one. <laughs> well, Part and two. that's where, that's been where the midwives have come in yeah. and everybody, you know, which I have a whole spiel on that, but it's like, I love, we have one lactation specialist in our area that goes to the houses. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to pay, but she comes out and spends time and she's available yeah. by phone for a certain amount of time. Well, we have one. The stuff that's at the hospital is not adequate because, again, we're in the same boat. You, nothing's in. Your milk's not in. Your baby's still asleep. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's a boy, it got a circumcision and it'll be asleep for the next 48 hours, you mm -hmm. know? And then the moms are panicking and it's just, you know, the baby's screaming. And of course, if a baby's screaming, they're hungry. No matter what happens, they're mm -hmm. always hungry. So you're trying to get the baby on. And so all that leads to anxiety, you know? And I tell patients all the time. I mean, and I had it. I had it with my second one and mine was a little bit of a breastfeeding issue but it was really i had a grumpy baby mm -hmm. he, that first two weeks he just cried and my other baby wasn't like that mm -hmm. and then i couldn't balance them both and my practice was so busy when i had my second child and i was stressed about that and they were calling me at home and i mean i just was kind of and my best friend's an OBGYN in arkansas and she was like she called and she said hey what you doing and i'm crying again and she's like um what's your pharmacy and i was like why do you need my pharmacy she's like because you're obviously not going to get any help so I'm gonna call you in some meds, you know? And it was at that moment that I finally realized like, oh, I'm not okay, this isn't okay. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom needing to go home. She had come down and stayed and I was like, he doesn't need you. Your, your husband doesn't need you. I need you. He's a grown man. I, mean, I, was like, I was like a mess. And then she literally told me that and I went and picked the pills up. And then like the next day I was like, I got it. I'm okay. gonna be okay. But it was like two and a half weeks, three weeks. And that's usually when you know, you kind of the switch flips and you're like okay that's where the marker i think for where you go from kind of that baby blues a little bit of anxiety to true postpartum depression mm -hmm. postpartum anxiety because that first two weeks is an adjustment period you know it just yeah. takes time so what would it have been like had you been in therapy before i think um i do think i think everybody needs therapy i do i really do i think it sounds silly but i really think everybody needs time to talk about what's going on and had you I think if you'd met with somebody who could had the time, and I, I feel like that's where I fail my patients all the time, is having the time to sit with them with the expectations. Mm -hmm. But then I worry if I say, okay, now listen. Now I always tell them, I'm like, you're gonna go in your bathroom and you're gonna cry. And if you stay in there for more than 15 minutes crying and you feel like you wanna go back every hour, then we need, you need to call me. Because mm -hmm. that's the hiding spot. Like, I'm gonna go in here and take them. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. And then they sit and they that's just so cry and it fall apart. Mm -hmm. You know, like, are you getting a shower and you're like, I don't wanna get out of the shower because I know when I go out of the shower, I gotta face the world. Like, mm -hmm. I gotta go back out there and do this again. And then the nighttime, I always tell them, I'm like, nighttime, nine or 10 o'clock at night, and you know you gotta feed multiple times and everyone else is asleep and it's dark and it's lonely and it's scary and it's a hard time and when those nights start to that you dread it so bad i said i need a phone call mm -hmm. you know and but had they like it's one of those things where i feel like had you been able to know that if this starts happening i can call somebody my therapist and i'll have a, an hour that i can leave my house and just go and say i'm not good i'm just gonna cry in your office that would be huge mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like to have that established already because well that's you, what i was thinking you can't get anybody yeah. in mm -hmm. when they call me and say i need help guess what i'm like well you got a four-month waiting list right now you know like it's very difficult to get people in to therapy quickly you know like i mean and then uh, i mean it's just like doctors not all of them are great you know so then finding the great therapist i, I mean, mean yeah i mean it's I'm, true i mean and so even as a counselor trying to go to counseling you're kind of like who who do i trust right and, and who's that's gonna do this well and and you know it's kind of like you said where you were like you just gotta tough it out you know and i'm like i can't ha 
they're not in a state that somebody can say that to them. No, there's no like, toughness. Right there, we're not in the tough out stage. They right. might be there in four or five weeks, but right now we're not. So I do think that that would be something, you know, that that would be good. But it's again setting money. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard. I feel like if I could, you know, devise an entire new way to be pregnant and have a baby, like what all the things I would have. I would have a yoga teacher. I would have someone that did meditation. I would have a lactation person that would come out afterwards. That would be amazing. You know, like if you could set up this perfect thing, which is kind of what a midwife does. But then you think, how many midwife, how many babies do a midwife deliver a week? Three babies a month. I deliver, you know, 35. So it's like she can't, the midwife is not going to be able, like mm-hmm. she does a great job because she has one or two mm-hmm. people. And that's the hard part, I think. Yeah, that's a model of care conversation. And, and yeah. Dr. Crow, I came on, I don't remember how many months ago for another episode. So if you want to listen to that, go listen to it. But yeah, we kind of dive into just just the medical system in America and, and how, you know, you got to deal with what you got to deal with. But yeah, it's not ideal. It's not. And for women in postpartum, and especially now, with I just think it's stressful. And then you add COVID in. Mm-hmm. That's a whole podcast in itself. Pregnancy and mm-hmm. COVID and yeah. oh, the vaccine. Goodness. And, oh, my Lord. It's Staying just. Staying social media. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's been, mm-hmm. it's the last year and a half in the last month with Delta because it's mm-hmm. affecting much more. I mean, last year, the pregnant women didn't get real sick. You know, I'd get a phone call. Oh, I have COVID. Okay, see you in two weeks. Call me if you need some changes. You know, it was that kind of deal. I mean, and now, I mean, we're, we opened up a COVID antipartum unit for only pregnant women. We've got, I mean, it's there, it's doing a lot more. So right now the anxiety and then everybody, you know, a lot of the pregnant women four months ago weren't getting the COVID vaccine because it's just, we don't know the five year long data. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're like, well, do I worry about the five year data or dying next month? And it's just, it's I extreme. Mean, I mean, the like, anxiety right now yeah. is just, I mean, it's, it's right. out the roof and the husbands are, you know, they're coming in and they're like, what do we do? And I'm like in here and going. Y'all got to make this decision. I can't make this decision for you, you yeah. know? I, I mean, asking about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just hard. And they're looking at each other, and especially the new moms. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're I don't take Tylenol. Am mm-hmm. I supposed to do this? And I'm like, oh, gosh. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the crazy part about it, right? Is you, you do, if you do get education, you're like, I, I just spent 10 months not taking anything. Right. Watching everything I put in my mouth because it's going to affect the baby. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. kind of at the end, you're like, let's throw all that out. Yeah. You know, here's and this. It, yeah. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's hard. It's and this is going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah, I remember asking you when I got pregnant with my first. I was like, "Can I have ice cream from a machine?" And you were like, "What?" I don't even know. You probably um, you see some people. And you're like, "Go get a cute pregnancy book and stay off the internet." Just I mean, but that's the anxiety uh, feel. Oh, yeah. But that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, no internet. You only yeah. get to read about what size your baby is and what fruit it looks right. like. Right. But do not go like, any you? chat rooms. Oh, no man. chat rooms. I heard there's listeria. Yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite was the sleeping stuff you know it's like you you try to find you try to figure out and now we had a ton of issues so you know special case but regardless you're trying to figure out how to get your kid to go to sleep and so you're like no, everybody tells you a hundred different things oh, yeah. but there was this one block that i read and it was like you know never put your kid in the, in the bed always put your kid in the bed put mm-hmm. your bed uh, only sleep in the crib don't don't crib sleep mm-hmm. put your crib in the bed with you you know it was like that was like the blog was just describing all of the ways right. in which people give you advice and right. it's like it's right. insanity well but that's what you feel like yeah but that's what i mean and i tell people i mean i'm like you do what works for you i said don't smother your baby we got to go over those <laughs> i was like beyond that you survive and i always laugh at people i'm like the yeah. first six months are survival yeah. And you are in 100% survival mode, and you don't judge, and you just do whatever you can do to make it. And if you start drinking, if you want to hurt yourself, then we got to talk. Right. But beyond that, we're just gonna we're gonna get through it. 
Like yeah. it's gonna get better. But I think there's something comforting in just saying that it's okay to not. I remember you telling me when I came, I was like, you were like, I felt like you said, I didn't know if I ruined our lives when we had a second. Then yeah. I had a third and I was better. I was like, there's so much peace in that. Oh yeah. Like we just had a second. It's like, it's okay to feel like your head's chopped off and you don't really know what's happening because yeah. your two year old's having a tantrum because you brought home a baby she never knew was even coming home. Yeah. And then you have this newborn that you're like, for me, I was like even grieving, you know, even the idea of grieving your birth story. Or, like, or in any part of postpartum. Probably right. any, you know, any stage you could say that. But, like, when you're trying to grieve or you're trying to understand why you're depressed and you don't recognize yourself, it's, like, yeah. it's okay to feel like things are chaotic. Yeah. And know? that goes into, like, your situation. I mean, it's, like I said, this is a whole other podcast. But the person that got the C-section that wanted the mm-hmm. vaginal delivery, or God forbid, they wanted the vaginal delivery unmedicated and got a C-section. Mm-hmm. Well, I failed. They failed. Everybody failed. And I'm, yeah. like, nobody failed. Yeah. Like, it wasn't what we wanted. I mean, mm-hmm. heck, maybe I wanted to go to Harvard. I didn't. I went to Louisiana Tech. I think I came out okay, you know. You, but did, you did drive in the Yale campus, <laughs> I did, though, through of, trash and trash. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, you know, that's the thing that for me, really, I, that's the part where I guess, that's where I think I have a struggle with the um, doctor telling patients what they need or do. I really try to take a more hands-off approach for, for delivery is like, listen. You it know, sounds this, like it this happens all the time without us. Like it happened way before I came along. It came way before doctors came along. Doctors didn't do deliveries, midwives did, who just had delivered a bunch of babies. You know, I said, so we don't have to make a big deal of it. If you want pain medicine, you can pay medicine. If you don't, you don't, you know. And I always tell patients, I'm here for when the serious stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And that's where our trust is. That's and so good. Because it is, I mean, I'm trained to get you out of a bad situation. I am not trained, I mean, I learned nothing midwife or granola in medical school. Yeah. Nothing. We did the Bradley method with both mm-hmm. of our kids. Yeah. And, and it was so nice to, you know, we had like six other six other couples with us and everybody's birth went differently, but because everybody knew what to expect, then they could say to the doctor, well, what if we wait one more hour? And right. the doctor would be like, nothing i just wanted to do that because it's what you know like yeah and so you know i think people need more information right but they walk in thinking you have all the information right and again mm. it's 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 just that kind of thing of like oh i thought you knew all this right you know and and that just comes with time right like mm-hmm. even i can picture who i was 13 years ago to where i am now and i would have never let a patient have unmonitored labor oh my god Okay. the world's gonna fall apart and now i'm like well we can do it we'll work through it you know and then there's other patients that want it and i'm like you're not a candidate i'm sorry and mm-hmm. i won't do that because yeah, i good. cannot live with myself if i know mm-hmm. i let you do something that was not smart that's good. you know and then they'll look at me and say well i'm not using you and I'm like, okay sounds good we weren't going to be a good team anyways boundaries mm-hmm. like, yeah. what i can do and they're like here's what i can't do <laughs> yeah and that's okay and that's what i mean you know and I always tell patients that i'm like there are certain things i mean i'm not getting in the bathtub with you I'm not it's not my thing like i will not do it i don't want to do it i'm not trained to do it and i don't want to do it i just don't think it's like have i mentioned i don't want to yeah i don't want to do it and then it's like you're a doctor you have to do every yeah you have to do everything i say or i want because i'm your patient and i'm like i don't though and that's where i think it's hard in the doctor Mm. you know is you develop your style and Mm -hmm. i mean in the woman's clinic the seven of us have different styles Mm -hmm. and some people like mine and some people don't Mm -hmm. and you'll kind of you know and you might like yours that didn't like this one they switch to me and somebody leaves me and goes to one of my partners Mm -hmm. which is nice but that's that's probably one of the hardest things i think is trying to figure out how to let the patient have that freedom and autonomy and trying to be what they want and i always always laugh at patients and i tell them this but they'll be like when do you want me to bring my birthing plan? And I'm like, whenever you want, you know? And I'm like, are there things on there? Well, I haven't read it. 
So I'm going to look at it some more and I'll bring it to you. And I'm like, probably a good idea. Yeah. Probably a good idea. I need you to read your birthing plan yeah. before you bring it to me. And then you'll have the other patients that come in with this extensive birthing plan. I'm like, it all looks good. I'm just going to tell you. It may not go this way. And we'll talk about it when we do, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's just. That's great. Like you, you get to have a plan and you get to have a desire just like we all do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's life. Oh, it doesn't yeah. go that way sometimes. No, and it's. And not, I love what you're saying because I think that's the other problem that I'm seeing with a lot of things is just that one size fits all model. Right. You know, people are like little hamster wheels that just you know come through, and it's like that's not how anybody is. Right. You know, so be informed as a person when you go into your doctor because that's really helpful. It is. And also, doctors like maybe you know, listen to what your clients biology right. and history and trauma. You know, and maybe just learn about what they. You know, I, tell, I was talking about that. Um, I preached at a church this weekend. And we were talking about masking and I was like, well, I don't really want to get into all that. But what you can do is ask people why they do or don't want to do something. Right. Is that, that complicated? Like somebody doesn't want to get vaccinated. Just say, OK, well, tell me about why you don't want to do that. Oh, well, we had a problem with the vaccine or we had this or my mom died from it. Or, oh, well, that makes sense for you. Right. Or if I want to get vaccinated, well, I've never had any problems. I think this is the best thing. I have this information. Great. You do you. Right. But this is just culture of. We have to judge and critique and give a one-size-fits-all that everybody has to do this. You know, it's right. just crazy. Well, and it's, it, um, yeah, it just makes it hard. It does. And, and I mean, the vaccine, I remember in that same situation, I, I hadn't got, I got it three weeks ago. I get my second one on Friday, pray for me. But I hadn't gotten it, and everybody's like, you're a doctor. And I was like, y'all, I had my own doubts and fears. I'd already had COVID. I was like, I am kind of granola. But I literally got to the point where I did that. I asked myself, I said, are you not getting this Laurie and I was like I think I'm being a turd (laughs) like I think I'm just doing it because it's like people are I felt kind of pushed and I'm a little bit of a I don't like to be pushed I kind of like do my own thing and I finally was like okay you're not making a smart decision and you're not making you're just being a stinker and I went and got it but it was like I had to stop and ask myself that but I'd gotten in such a role of I'm not gonna do it not doing it not doing it you're not i'm not doing it you know and then finally i was like i don't think i've really made this decision i just kind of followed what everybody else was saying Mm -hmm. that was on this fence and you know and i think taking the time i've had a couple of patients that we've talked about and by talking through their fears you know some of them have said oh you know what it probably is okay and others i'm like yeah i understand 100 percent. you know but Mm -hmm. it's just taking the time i think to listen and and i do with my patients sometimes you know, they'll sit in there and they'll sit down, you know, I always say the 16 week visit, we sit there and we stare at each other, you know, cause there's not a lot going on. You don't do an ultrasound usually. Uh-huh. And they're sitting there and they're looking at me and I'm like, how you feeling? They're like, good. I'm like, okay, good. Life is so good at that point. Yeah. I mean, it really uh-huh. is. And there's nothing going on. They can't you feel the baby move. past the 12, 12 weeks. Yeah. A little safe You're not now. sick anymore. Uh-huh. You're feeling a little better. And they're, we're both staring at each other and I'm like, I got nothing to talk about. There's nothing going on right now. <laughs> so when they come in and they're like, I got questions. I'm like, beautiful lay them on me because like I can fill this void because there's just nothing happening I'm like well okay yeah and so that's where I think bringing those questions does help you know because if I have to tell you about pregnancy you need a book like I don't have time to well what the patient sits down says what do I need to know about pregnancy and I'm like oh okay that's a long conversation. Mm-hmm. So well, I break it so up. Many things that well, and so I have it all broke up for each little bit. But it is nice, like you said, when patients come in and they sit down and they talk, and I have time to listen, and we kind of work yeah. through some stuff. And I'd say that for, for therapy too. You know, if you yeah. go into therapy, you know, think about maybe what happened the week before. Right. <laughs> that you want to talk <laughs> to about. To walk in and be like, uh, totally didn't think that I was about my well, session. I have like a goal planning session. Like I talk about like a dream session. Like if you could get anything, I'm like, so what's your like? When do you figure me done with counseling? I have some that are like 
when am I gonna be done? I'm like, where are we working towards? <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of like I'm not saying I'm trying not trying to kick you out. It's just like where are we going with this? That's true. You know, and so well, it's, it's like <laughs> yeah, the TV show. You sit on the couch and they're like, okay, so how was your childhood? <laughs> it's like I don't know where to start. Like, right. do we really get deep into this, or should we just move forward? Right. Yeah. Like, where is this so, going to go? But a good therapist will direct you and help. Yeah. You, but, There's yeah. a balance. I mean, I think but you're kind of talking like what's it like we as therapists have an expertise and training, especially with the how we look at trauma and how we have all those things, but then also bring the client in and say what you have to say is important because you have a first-hand view of your life. Mm -hmm. But then even like, okay, so you know so much about babies and how, you know, gestational and right. what needs to happen for them, but then also they get to have thoughts and opinions that come right. in. And so how to marry those two and make sure there's a good balance of like how to trust each other right. yeah. in that process. Well, it's a, just a relationship. It is. Right? I mean, it's a little reciprocal relationship. I mean, I... I think if we, again, stop getting caught up in the world's view of everything and just go, okay, I'm a person who loves you, who cares about you, who wants to disciple you in some way and, and make sure you feel safe and loved and valued, then that means you you do the same thing, whether right. you're a doctor or a lawyer. Now, what you do after that, right, will be your job. Right. But I think what we're missing in our culture is that first instant relationship part where it's like, you're a human, I'm a human. Let's get to know that just a little bit. Right. And then everything else will kind of fall out of that. And what's unique mm -hmm. about therapy is that that's all we do. You know, right. it's like we get to spend the whole hour making it about you, hearing about your story, thinking specifically about it. And so I love for doctors like you, you know, we have a chiropractor here, we have doctors, we have uh, dietitians, you know, because then they know that they can say, okay, well, I, this is my job. I'm going to do my lane. I'm going to kind of touch on that. And then I'm going to send you over here to get the right. full thing. And then we can call you and say, hey, they're coming back for their checkup or they, you know, miss their period or they're having a really hard time with this trigger because they had a miscarriage. And then, mm, you know, you right. know what you're getting instead of it always coming in. Yeah, it, it, it helps. I mean, you know, I know we had a bunch of stuff on fertility and mis recurrent miscarriages and all that. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's a whole, I mean, mm -hmm. I deal with that and it's hard because, mm -hmm. you know, you sit there and, you know, we have to jump from room to room to room. Mm -hmm. And so like, I see this room and this one's a new pregnancy. Great. We're excited. You go to this room and it's a new pregnancy and, uh, it passed mm -hmm. and then you're like okay and so you have to turn that off to go here and then you go to this room and they're happy because they just had their baby and, and your brain's the going like this like roller coaster oh, it, one it is like. but it, you know it's like i remember leaving my, my nurse before and walking in the room and like did i did that okay uh -huh. like how do you deliver that you know right. and so then the patient's sitting there and you know the patient's I've had patients tell me, they're like, I know you see it all the time. And I'm like, I do, but it's you. Like, you don't. And so today is your day. You know, like, this is your mm -hmm. time to grieve over this mm -hmm. stuff. That's good. You know, but those are those moments where women, you know, and God forbid they compare the six-week loss to the 36-week loss. And I'm like, mm -hmm. it's a loss. Yes, mm -hmm. it's a different, and I can't tell you either one of those of what you're supposed to feel or not feel, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's, I mean, those are moments when. It's significant. Well, and that's, those are the moments where, you know, I'm like, some people handle it you know where they just kind of never miss a beat and then you have others that it's it's they need therapy mm -hmm. you know and that's where i'm always like this is where we need somebody where i can be like okay i'm getting you into her tomorrow right. you know that's where that yeah. integrated part is needed because mm -hmm. that is those are those moments where i'm like i don't have time and she probably needs another 45 minutes and then her husband that didn't come he's mm -hmm. gonna need another 45 minutes right. you know and yeah. those right. those are those hard For times a couple months right it, mm -hmm. it is and then the next one i mean the next pregnancy they're a basket case yep. mm -hmm. yeah i mean we, they uh, yeah 
I think October, I can't remember the date, but I'm having uh, a lady come in who does a miscarriage infant loss uh, ministry here in Treeport, yeah. and we're going to do a whole podcast on miscarriage and infant loss and, and oh, yeah. the pros and the cons, not the pros and the cons, but like the costs, you know, and the trauma and all the things that come from it. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a big one. I mean, we've seen a lot of it lately too. So it's just been, um, that's one. I feel like you need your own special setting at that. It's like, I remember us talking at one time, you know, do we need a separate waiting room even, you know, for those women that are coming up for those follow-ups. And then you're like, or do you isolate them by putting them in a separate room, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, you know, and you're sitting here playing that game with yourself. And I'm like, what do we need? Yeah. Like Like how to best care. And you ask patients and some, and patients, but because patients handle it different, some say, Yes, I'd like a separate waiting room. Mother, like, oh no, don't put me in the lost a baby waiting room. You know, yeah, (laughs) right. Ah, They're going to the joy of everybody else having their baby. You're grieving your own, and that's one thing that we. I mean, we don't have time to get all into it today. But I mean, just one idea of trauma, and we talked about this when we came to met. Like, what is that? And so we, you've talked about this all the time on your podcast. But like, it's not like those big T traumas, those little T traumas. Those you tend to think, okay, like a thirty-six week, thirties, yeah, week loss of your baby is you know that's huge and so the, but you can identify that's trauma but then what are the other things even like that six week of like the traumatic sense of i didn't know how how come i how come it didn't happen mm-hmm. how come right. i didn't have this baby and even when i wanted like with my birth and the grief i had was not so much the c-section just how it all happened just like the idea of like wanting to be there for your child and just like there's so much to it and these expectations and so the trauma that can come with as a woman and feeling like this is what my body's supposed to do right. and it failed in whatever sense that could be and so and we don't really get to get into that but it's just i think the trauma of one having things happen that you don't have control over which is what a lot of miscarriage like you don't have any control right you know that's a loss i mean i think even like you look at menopausal women you don't have any control over those things i think these those things i wish we could get more into we just don't have time at the moment but i just for people listening that it's okay to say you've been through some traumatic stuff even if it's common Even if it happens to, you know, is it one in three women with a miscarriage? Is that the statistic? One in four to five. Okay. So it's, it's, that's pretty high. Oh, it's all, I mean, well, and that's why I said, I see it all the time. I usually, I mean, every day, Mm -hmm. you know, but it doesn't make it any different for that person Mm because they don't go through it five times a day. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and so that's. And for people to just remember, um, you know, that, that, that lasts a long time. Like mm-hmm. you said, the next pregnancy, the mm-hmm. next time you have it, the next period, yeah, you know, it can be years or so. So, and even if you're dealing, I think what I would say from a clinical perspective is, just because you're still struggling with something doesn't mean something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. You should struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Right. You had a loss. You need. You're going to grieve, and grieve's going to take time. Grief's going to take time, and it, it'll be forever. I mean, I have a little like some little foot, some little feet on my keychain from one of our miscarriages, and. You know, every once in a while I'll see it and it'll hit me the wrong way. Or, you mm-hmm. know, I was telling Mary Kate uh, earlier, we uh, we were going to walk. She used the office for a client before we walked in for the podcast. And so she had shut the door on the way out. And then she was like, is Brandy here? Because I used her office. And I was like, I don't know. So <laughs> I went to open it. And when we were talking about it, I was like, oh, I remembered because it's a you know huge deal in therapy not to open the door or knock or disrupt a right. session. Well, I remembered my administrator. I was at a session and somebody banged on my door. And my wife was having a miscarriage. And uh, so I jumped up, grabbed my stuff, and ran out. And right. just now, I mean, before we do this podcast, just talking about that, yeah. mm-hmm. I haven't thought about that or remembered that that happened until today. Right. And I was like, whoo, that's triggered. You know, like it, it just kind of hit me in my gut of like sitting here, like remembering that that moment, you know. So those things, and that was, you know, a year and a half ago. So it's like, you know, those mm-hmm. things continue to happen and you continue right. to. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's part of processing. I mean, even after I had my son, my mom was at my house. Like, there would be times I would just cry and just talk about it. 
And there's something so good about like, I'm going to cry and try to process this because I don't know what it meant for me. And that's what we do with our clients all day. And what you're seeing is like, okay, so this meant something to you. So when you have a reaction, that makes sense. But this was like, this was a weighty thing. And it really like, this is just your body telling you information. It and mattered. I, it mattered. And it's okay to feel that doesn't mean that you're less. And I think sometimes we spend so much time trying to fix everything to make it better. And it's like, it's okay to be there. And it's okay for it to not have gone the way that you wanted. Mm-hmm. And it's going to suck. You don't want to be there. You yeah. know, like you don't want your no. clients to be there. It's like, let's just allow yourself to be there because it's going to come out in some way. Whether it's if you don't handle this, what's going on for you now, it'll come back up in another pregnancy or whatever it could be. Yeah. I and mean, this idea of the body keeping score, you know. Well, and you'll see it. In. I mean, after they have another baby, even just mm. the fragility of it, their own, the anxiety, that postpartum anxiety. Mm. I'll see a lot of those patients that finally they got the baby. Mm-hmm. And then they can't even handle it because it's like it's been such a battle battle that once they have they have this baby and they're at home and they're i'm supposed to like this more and why is it mm-hmm. so hard and i've been trying so hard for mm-hmm. to get here and i I'm should here. love it i should love everything mm-hmm. about it and then why am i not grateful right now and i'm like it's mm-hmm. okay because mm-hmm. now you're in a new step this is <laughs> yeah this i saw is. i saw this thing yesterday and it said toxic parent or toxic toxic motherhood versus healthy motherhood and the i didn't get through all of it but it was like the first thing was like enjoy every single moment yeah was toxic motherhood <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like that's so true you can't the no. other one was like you're not gonna like your kids sometimes oh yeah <laughs> you know, like, i text some moms the other day i was like do you ever not like your kid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, i just you know this is normal or I, mean, like I love a, her but or a stage like mm-hmm. i don't like this stage of it mm-hmm. you yeah. know like there's different periods like i'm not the baby i don't love the baby stage mm-hmm. and i'm like I just would rather go to work. But now once they're talking and moving, I'm like, ooh, ooh, yeah. this is where I like it. Yeah. You know, like I love to interact and do, but yeah. it's, but that's. And it's that's okay to be, like, to have those things there. A, right? Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. where I feel like, you know, with that, the trauma of that, of dealing and having a way to talk about it. We have a little grief, um, I don't know, it's not a company, but group that does stuff with loss in our town. And, you know, we can give stuff. But even there, they're like sometimes within that grief group, I don't think there's a counselor that leads it. It's just women mm-hmm. that get together. Mm-hmm. But one feels less adequate to be there than the other one because right. this one had this loss or this uh, one didn't or this they one start comparing oh, yeah. well, and, but on themselves right like the other ones everybody's okay mm-hmm. but it's just that same thing mm-hmm. you know and it's just oh, hard man. we do that big time that comparing our traumas man it's yeah and do it. it's hard i mean yeah. y'all can probably see that all the time but oh, right. definitely yeah well this was great oh good tell me uh any any closing comments or thoughts that you'd like people to know or any kind of uh things that came up that yeah i mean I, I really think i mean we hit on a lot and i don't even know what we hit on and i feel like the same we way were, i'm like i hope that was helpful but <laughs> i i really do want i mean for me for women what i always what i'm just really striving now to tell everybody is you have to slow down you have to slow down you have to take care of yourself and taking care of yourself doesn't mean you have to go out and exercise and join a crossfit gym and you know do an hour and a half of exercise seven days a week and eat perfect you know it just means feeding your soul of what needs something you know spiritual or whether it's with friends whatever it is but there you need to surround yourself with things that are healthy you know so from the food from your friends from your community to your family members if you have unhealthy family members that don't do well with you don't hang out with them all the time and try to make it work yeah, like it's just good. i mean boundaries. that's boundaries i mean i tell ladies all the time i'm like you have to find time for yourself that does something that makes your soul better because mm-hmm. when your soul's better you're gonna shine and the people are gonna just attract to you you know your children are gonna feel better when you feel better and so you just I and mean, if that means you don't get to be on the pta don't be on the pta 
turn it down just say i can't do this today i can't add that extra thing in if that means you can't make the muffins that week you don't make the muffins that week you know if it means you have to turn down a job that we're you know going on a meeting somewhere out of town because you know you're going to miss something then turn it down Mm -hmm. but slow down and really enjoy the time that you have every day and find some point in the day it's gratitude i mean i guess but you know i don't know that's to me is what i've tried to really start pushing into my patients even the young girls Mm -hmm. they get so lost sometimes i'm like have you sat and hung out with your mom or who's your favorite person you know what's your favorite thing to do go do it for 15 minutes Mm -hmm. not an hour just start small you know Mm -hmm. that's really good thanks mary kate you got anything i mean you got follow that up i know it's like so much pressure i just i think ultimately my heart for even with dr bluecomer was like you're not alone so i think even like what you're saying like who are you with it's kind of like if we how cool to be especially as women but men too it's like the idea of being vulnerable about kind of where we're at doesn't make you weak vulnerability does not equal weakness it's really coming alongside people which god created us for and the pandemic has shown that we need people mm-hmm. because we weren't supposed to do this life alone it's very hard to do it alone especially that anxiety and depression even postpartum any period that's you know when it's that loneliness mm-hmm. and so how do we do life authentically with people that says this is hard it's okay for it to be hard and we're going to get through it mm-hmm. you know and i think you know that's being able to talk to your doctor about it and going to therapy you know like or if it's developing really good friends that you know that you can commit to that and being authentic, I just say you find those places where you can have that, like where it does nourish your soul in some ways that, mm. you know, getting that next promotion or looking perfect or social media is just never going to do for us. It mm. never will as much as we try. Yeah. So, yeah. And be kind. Yeah, please. <laughs> be, be, be nice. <laughs> just be kind. Yep. I mean, that works really yeah. throughout the 17 to the 70 year old <laughs> yeah, especially to other women yeah mm-hmm. you know pull each other up you know pick each other up and men don't do that not as much no not you know there's a do. jordan peterson we were talking about that before but he uh he says this thing he, he said from an evolutionary biological it's been kind of talked about that it's because men risk getting punched in the face uh-huh. And so it's just kind of an idea that like, not that a woman won't punch you, but like women tend to uh, be more catty or, or gossipy or, you know, long-term manipulative, but like guys don't do it because there's a risk always of violence. Oh, so if wow. like a guy will pop off and say something, yeah. the next time you see him, you maybe get hit in the mouth. Right. You know, like, and so, yeah, it's crazy, but I don't know more if it's true or not, but it's like, well, it's just like, you know, you're, do you, I don't know you're women. I'll ask you, do you ever worry about like another woman walking up and punching you? Not all the time. Right. <laughs> you're like, I don't know, maybe. You assess the situation and you're like, yeah. Right, but, I mean, but if you're in but Walmart no. or Target. And no, but I can tell you, you worry about somebody talking about you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, always. Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, she's going to say something yeah. about this later. Exactly. Yeah. Where men, like, we typically think, like, well, I don't want to pop off in the parking lot because he might punch right. me. You know, right. like, mm-hmm. so it's just an interesting dynamic. That is an interesting of, thought, like, you know, to think of it that yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You kind of hear those stereotypical, like, in high school, like, guys just fighting and they're over it. Whereas girls spend, like, three years dragging it out to, like, make you really feel it. And you're like, but you can't calm out because it's so manipulative. You're still hanging on to the high school person that was mean to you. And I'm like, where are they now? I'm like, I'm a grown woman. Yeah. (laughs) Poor Susie in in eighth grade said this about my braces. You're like a super, you know, like a supermodel Miss America. And you're like, that that, that Susie, you're, like, texting her pictures of you winning. (laughs) Right. No, right. I mean, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason, right? Right. Uh, but yeah, anyway, we'll end on that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, guys, uh, listen to uh podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. LeBlue, for Thanks coming for on. Mary-Kate, proud of you. Great job. Thanks.
uh, and all the ladies out there, y'all keep being healthy and listen to our other episodes, go through them. We're going to do another mid, uh, one about miscarriages in October coming up. And next week we're doing one on the Enneagram. So a couple of Enneagram coaches coming in to talk about that. So God bless you guys and have a good week. <laughs>